be back. Get away from her, you bitch! We all go a little mad sometimes. Welcome back to Sequel Harder, where we discuss great movies and their awful sequels. I am the Dave Mark One, and joining me is the Mark Forty Two, Eric. Oh man, thank you. I'm I'm flattered that I got such a high. Yeah, I'm I'm old and busted. You're the new the new hotness. I'm the new hotness. Thank you. Today we're talking about Iron Man, the three Iron Man movies. It's it's always interesting to see what order these movies come out in, you know, because it's like we had yeah. Iron Man and then Hulk and then Iron Man 2 and then... Well, the, the Hulk was first, actually. Uh, you know, I keep hearing back, I think the Hulk, I think the Hulk was after the Iron Man. Uh, are you sure about that? I think they were same year, Hulk was like a month later or something stupid like that. Okay, maybe. But then... Avengers comes between Iron Man 2 and 3, and then that kicks off Phase 2 or 3 or whatever it is. It's all over the place. So it's it's interesting to see, like, because I just watched these three movies back to back, and it's like, oh, wait, there's this big gap between 2 and 3. Yeah, I know. And they reference a bunch of, in the third one, they reference a bunch of, of like, uh, Avengers stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So my relationship with, I'll just say, the whole MCU, and Iron Man specifically, is that I, I really enjoy most of them. I generally don't rewatch any of them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just fun and then forgettable. Now, once in a while, I do go back and watching Iron Man 1 again, and I've, you know, I went back and watched The Avengers again, and it's like, oh, wait, some of these actually have really good writing in them, you know, and, yeah, and yeah. good acting. And of course, the, the effects are all really good. So it was kind of interesting. So, yeah, so I, with Iron Man movies, I had seen them all in the theater, I believe, and then probably one more time on home video. But I hadn't really seen them since then. What about you? Mm-hmm. You know, you know what's funny is, uh, I, I mean, I see, yeah, I saw all three of them in theater, but uh, I almost didn't see the first one, and that's because this this story stretches back to the. Uh, I had a buddy who was like super excited for the 2003 Ang Lee Hulk movie, mm-hmm. and to, to the point where we he he dragged me out and we went and saw it like at midnight when it premiered. And after that, when they were like, we're making a whole bunch of other Marvel movies, I was like, mm, no thanks. <laughs> like, if it's anything like that Hulk movie, I'm I'm good. But then it's, I think I, I didn't see it until like three or four weeks after it came out and there was like rave reviews and people were talking about, oh, it's amazing. And, it had, you know, we'll, we'll get to the uh, Rotten Tomatoes, but I know it's high. So, yeah. So Iron Man came out in 2008, directed by Jon Favreau. Of uh, the Mandalorian, Chef, Jungle Book, and Elf fame, depending on what genre you're really into. Oh, I mean, come on. You, you, all, can't, right? you can't leave Swingers out of that. Oh, fuck. Of course. Swingers. Yeah. Did he direct that? <laughs> what? I mean, I know he like wrote it and started yeah, it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure he directed it. Or no, oh, no, no. He may, maybe he didn't because yeah. uh, what's didn't what's his name directed? Uh, Doug Lyman? That sounds familiar. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're right. No, I, yeah, for some reason I mixed that up in my head that he. Hmm. Yeah, he wrote it. That's what it came down. Because he does do a lot of writer director stuff. But yeah. yeah. Okay, with a budget of 140 million, what did it gross in the U.S.? I'm going to say 270. Okay, not bad. 319. Okay, yeah. 
and then 266 internationally, so half a billion dollars. Jeez, pretty good. Pretty good, for, yeah. pretty good for a character that probably prior to 2008, I'd say at least at least 60% of people would be like, I don't know who Iron Man is. Yeah, that's a good point. So I grew up reading Marvel comics, mostly X-Men, a little Spider-Man. I was aware of who the Avengers were. I was aware of most of the members. I was, I knew who Iron Man was mostly because I had a lot of those, like here's the Marvel, uh, like dictionary compendium of yeah, all the characters yeah, yeah. and what their stats are. So I knew who all the characters were, but I really hadn't read anything Avengers or Iron Man. So that comes to play like for all, all three of these movies, I didn't have any like preconceptions about what anybody was supposed to be like, which I, I'm willing to bet that worked in their favor and that there was no, you know, no preconceived notions about like, you know, Thor and Iron Man. And I mean, Hulk had kind of a presence because of the seventies, like with mm-hmm. the, the incredible Hulk CV series, but it's, and even the Ang Lee movie and stuff like that, which is, I think why they probably kind of pushed him to the side a little bit. Yeah. The first, I mean, couple, there's, there's, well, there's licensing issues. That's the number one reason, right? But, which I think there's still, isn't there still, I think actually, I think don't think Marvel gets them uh, the Hulk back at the next year or something. Is that right? Yeah, they they because uh they what's it you know so far who's it Universal or one of those that has the rights somebody has so Universal or somebody had the rights. I know to, Universal has well the Universal this is kind of where it gets weird. Universal's theme park has the rights to a bunch of the comic book characters, but they can't use the movie versions. They have to use the old comic versions. Oh, funny! In, in their rides, you know, in the yeah, yeah there's yeah. like the, the Marvel part of the park. Yeah. And so it's just all these old sixties versions of all the characters. And I think they, they got that sweet deal back when Marvel was floundering. Yeah. And so now of course they, they got to keep it up or, or they lose the license and, but they can't up, they can't upgrade it or make it even close to what the movies look like. So it's a weird space to be in, but yeah, of course all the other for movies and TV, a lot of the characters got, because because they 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 were involved in the 2008 movie, but then the the, li- the sunset of the license is 15 years, which will be 2023, and that's when if like since they haven't made a movie since the the 2008 Hulk movie, like they're they're gonna lo- like you know I think it's, I think it's Universal will lose that license. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll see we'll see what happens there. Okay, IMDb says, after being held captive in an Afghan cave, billionaire engineer Tony Stark creates a unique weaponized suit of armor to fight evil. Yeah. That's great. So, so the show is all about Tony Stark and how a rich and B smart he is. And he has the resources and intelligence to basically build anything. And you just kind of have to go with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Suspension of discipline. Yeah. Like a lot, like, you know, yeah, yeah. they're doing all these like highly advanced, very specific engineering and science in a freaking cave, you know? I know. Yeah. And that's the funny thing about it is like a lot of times they bring in all these other, you know, throughout the last, whatever, you know, 15, 18 years or whatever, they brought in all these other intelligent people, intelligent characters. And it's like, so you're telling me that like only, only Tony Stark could have made this in a, in a cave. Yeah. Yeah. It is true. It kind of makes him sort of this singular person who can, fund and invent all these things like at least in the some of the other spider-man storylines peter came up with a lot of that stuff himself whereas yeah, in, yeah, yep, yep. in the homecoming stuff it's all stark technology and so is like everything else in the whole movie <laughs> yeah seriously uh captain america's shield and you know which when they when they showed the shield in the second movie it looked like such a flimsy piece of crap <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, wasn't it sort of like, yeah, it was like half built or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's interesting because like, even when we get further down the line in like Iron Man three with the guy Pierce character and later on with the uh, Michael Keaton, you know, the vulture and uh, Mysterio in the Spider-Man movies, right? They're both offshoots of Stark, essentially. Um, Mysterio yeah, used to work yeah, for something Stark. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Vulture was like doing the cleanup work and then stole a bunch of Stark technology. Stark and alien technology to do with yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like Tony Stark stuff is is everywhere. So, of course, we have uh, Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark, Pepper Potts, played by Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, Rhodey Rhodes, played by Terrence Howard in this movie only, Obadiah Stane, played by Jeff Bridges, who was uh, sort of, he's sort of the le- the right-hand man at Stark Industries, or maybe he's the head of it, and he was there when Howard Stark was running it. Agent Coulson makes an appearance, Clark Gregg. Uh, Happy Hogan is, of course... The director, John Favreau, Jarvis, voiced for the next 20 years by Paul Bettany. No, seriously, yeah. <laughs> and uh, lastly, Tom Morello, guitarist of Rage Against the Machine, shows up as a guard. <laughs> yes. Perfect. I mean, I guess, I guess he's friends with Favreau. Is that what that? I don't know. I just see weird people in the, in the <laughs> <laughs> cast list. <laughs> so... The movie opens in Afghanistan where Tony is uh, demonstrating some of his weapons tech, which is a lot of what Stark does right now to the U.S. Army. And, of course, you know, they're playing back in black. Like, for some reason, the, the makers of these movies have, like, my musical playlists in yeah, their back yeah, pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they pull it out. Oh, wait. You like ACDC. Hey, you like Led Zeppelin. <laughs> you know, you like Ozzy Osbourne. Come on, man. It's Of course. Why not? It's, uh, it's, 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 you know, hardcore rock for, uh, an iron man. Let's, let's do yeah. it. What did I, so when, when we did Thor, Thor Ragnarok was the, like only the second or third movie ever to license Led Zeppelin music when they used immigrant song. Yeah. Yeah. With the other two being, uh, Cameron Crowe movies, <laughs> I think almost famous and fast times. I think I'm, I, cause it's, I know it was, it's been the two Taika Waititi Thor movies that had. Like the Led Zeppelin immigrant song, and there was something about like he he just he put it in there. He he knew he couldn't get it or something, and he put the song in there to the trailer. He did like one of those like uh, oh yeah he he basically pitched his idea for Ragnarok with immigrant song, oh. and, like a bunch of photos and stuff like that. And then they were like, well, now we have to get the song, and so just like <laughs> yeah. So I I think I saw Taika Waititi like basically begged them for it or something. Yeah, it was worth it. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, so that was, they, they used Immigrant Song twice in Ragnarok, and then the entire length of uh, Love and Thunder was basically scored by Guns N' Roses. Yeah, seriously. Uh, there's a flashback to 36 hours before the Afghanistan stuff, and it's a bunch of exposition about how smart Tony is and how he's with the ladies and he's always missing stuff. And Rhodey was going to give him an award, but he was not there because he was off at a casino or something. And that's fine. It's it's. I guess it does really build the Tony Stark character, which definitely, like, he has a character arc in these three movies, and then he has a bigger arc through Endgame. Yeah, he does, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd be interested to know. I mean, I guess, I guess when he put himself in the thing, in the first one, it's like, I, did he not envision that that character would grow into something? It was just sort of supposed to be like, well, I, could, I can just sort of knock this out on the side. You know, that's a good question because... I read some trivia today about the third Iron Man that they did. They made some decision. I forget what decision it was because they weren't sure that he was going to keep playing this character. Well, they, 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 I mean, he ends up like, he's not in a lot of the movie. Wait, who? 
Uh, uh, John Favreau. Oh, sorry. I'm still thinking uh, Downey Jr. Oh, 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 okay, 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 okay. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, Happy has an arc, too. Yeah. <laughs> but I was thinking, I was just talking about uh, Tony Stark's oh, arc. Oh, okay, I got you. What, 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 what the hell are they going to do in the third movie without him? For like, well, no, know. it was after the third movie. He might not have continued on. Oh, after I see. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But having said that, John Favreau directs the first two, but then the Shane, nice guy, Shane Black, Shane yeah. Black does the yeah. third one. Yeah, which you can tell it's such a Shane Black movie. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it takes place at Christmas. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, they all do. God, it's like the guy. Lo- the guy is he's he's very stuck in his ways about how he makes films. Because it's uh, if you go look at it, it's got a, this movie has a very similar arc to um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Right, it's like, I gotta watch that again. and closes with narration and like yeah, yeah. We'll get to that, but I thought that was weird to do narration on. I mean, I feel like that's just how he 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 likes to write that sort of like snappy dialogue where it's like a lot of like actually it's monologues usually. Yeah, and so it, 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 like so narration sort of works for him to be able to do that sort of like Robert Downey mumbling sort of talking over himself kind of stopping rewinding like oh, i'm jumping too far let's mm. go back a little let's, let's go about further right, back. Right. like yeah, that sort exactly. of thing yeah yeah then there's a lot of good i mean there's a lot of good uh quotes in here a lot of good dialogue so so in afghanistan tony shows off the, the bombs that he's making and i mean this is just the classic shot of him arms spread wide with the thing blowing up behind him and i think he does that in every movie all three of these movies he does something like that pose yeah then his, his, you know, the classic hero pose when he always lands. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which Marvel uses for, like, every one of the characters when they land, like, especially, like, Black Widow and Iron mm-hmm. Man. And, and they do, in the third one, I think, they do a thing where he, he lands like that, but then, like, something, one of the suits comes and, like, smacks him clear yeah. out of the frame right away. Yep. You know what's kind of funny is I, I, I liked uh, Terrence Howard in this. Yeah? Yeah. Not, that, I, not yeah. that I'm like, oh, he's better than Don Cheadle. I just thought, like... I mean, it's like the money issue aside, which I mean, I could see where he would be pissed off and annoyed about the whole money issue. But it's like, I mean, they they obviously didn't replace him because he wasn't working. Right. So that's that's the thing, which that's kind of the annoying, petty thing about like (laughs) with Marvel is just sort of like how easily like especially especially early on. It's like, well, he's gone. Like they, they learned their lesson. Like you lock those people in. For you know, yeah. seven year, seven movie contracts, kind of thing. We, like when they and they started out, it was just sort of like, well, let's see if this works. We'll sign them to a one year, one picture deal, kind of thing. And then all of a sudden, it's like, cool, that made a lot of money, so I want double now. Yeah, that was the thing. What I saw was that Terrence Howard. So th- th- this was sort of Robert Downey Jr.'s comeback role. He had a lot of, of course, drug and alcohol problems, and his career had kind of stalled a little bit. And so he wasn't very expensive. Terrence Howard got more money for the first one. Yep. And so when they were making the second one, like you said, he wants more money or he still wants to be making more than Robert I think he, Jr. He, wanted, he wanted to make what, what Robert Downey was making. If I remember correctly, it was Downey made something small, like, like $250,000 for the first movie. And I think, uh, Terrence was making like, you know, half to three quarter or something. And then Downey got a bump to like 2 million for the second movie. And Mm. then all of a sudden, uh, Terrence was like, okay, so I want that too. And they were like, not really. You're not really the main character. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I kind of agree. He's sort of a main character, but he's not a main personality. Yeah, yeah. When when they did that first movie and they realized, oh shit, we have a star here in Robert Downey Jr. And they basically plan the whole rest of the MCU with him as its center. Yes, you're going to pay him more. And Terrence Howard didn't see that. I get it. It's fine. You know, he, he can ask for the money he wants to ask for and great. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, well, I mean, his, was, I mean, looking at what it grew into with, with Cheadle, his mistake was, yeah, he, he should have just been fine for the two or three, like got himself into a position where he was like war machine. Yeah. Was part, and then yeah. it's like, okay, you want me for these back Avenger movies. Now it's going to cost you like, you know, two to 5 million for. Right. Sure. Yeah. But I guess, so I wasn't super familiar with Terrence Howard before this. I've probably seen him in one or two things, but I, you know, John, Don Cheadle's like an Oscar winning famous guy. Yeah. So when the second movie comes out and I see all this buzz online about how fans are going crazy that they didn't bring Terrence Howard back and they've got Don Cheadle, I'm like, guys, it's, it's Don Cheadle. <laughs> <laughs> this is an upgrade. Oh, don't be so mean on Terrence Howard, man. He's, he's got some good movies in his, his repertoire. I'm sure he does. He's just not not big on my radar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't he in that uh, like Hustle and Flow? Probably. Didn't when, did, when did that come out? Oh, uh, that was, um, I'm going to say like early four, 2000s. Or four yeah. or five, something like that. Mm-hmm. I think he, I think he was big on that. And I think that's where, cause that was like a huge movie. That was like a, that movie did really well. Yeah. So I bet you he was sort of like, I want my hustle and flow money. <laughs> but that was a, like a super low budget indie movie. It was, but it's, but I mean, it's like he, oh, he became, he became a name off of that. Like, yeah. Yeah. I remember before, years before I went to BDFI film school, while I was still in tech. I saw this two day film school up in San Francisco and me and my friend were like, hey, cool. Let's go learn how to make movies. Right. And uh, we went up and, you know, it was a Saturday, Sunday. And the guy, this must've been like right after Hustle and Flow won all the awards that it won. Cause the guy just referred to it like every other sentence. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, okay. I get it. <laughs> so the convoy going through Afghanistan gets attacked and there's a bunch of hubbub. And then Tony ends up, he wakes up in a cave with a electromagnet in his chest. Um, and so this happened, this uh, situation persists until the end of Iron Man three, where he has a bunch of shrapnel in his chest and the electromagnet is the only thing repulsing it away from entering his heart and killing him, Yeah, which is sort of the whole one of the basis is for his entire character, which in the com- in the comics wasn't it? It was like uh, like Vietnam or something like a landmine from Vietnam. Yeah, because of the time that the comics were written, I think they did Vietnam first, and then the movies yeah. updated it to Afghanistan. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, it wasn't Afghanistan. Yeah. In the, in the, <laughs> I mean, hey, I mean, the, the, it wasn't the Russians in that. That was the eighties, though. <laughs> oh yeah, right. We were on the other side. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and so that's another one of these things that you just kind of have to go with because it's a comic book idea. But it's like he can come up with this arc reactor technology that can fit in his chest and keep the shrapnel out of his heart. But you can't, I don't know, come up with a way to take this shrapnel out. Pretty sure doctors today without this technology could get that shrapnel out of you. Oh, totally. Yeah. No. That's sort of the. It gives you a lot of fun moments in the in the show where he has also to- and everything that they not even that and just everything that they do in this these three series of movies that like the technology is there that he probably could just like build himself an artificial heart or like a cloned heart or something. Yeah, I mean, just the the AI tech he has at the beginning of the movie, like Jarvis and the robot, like that stuff is worth way more than anything else he's making. It's way smarter AI than and the world has ever seen. Oh yeah. But again, you just have to go with it because it's a comic book story. So he has the arc reactor that's in the front of his chest, which I think is a neat, it, it was a, it's a neat effect. And when in the uh, scene where he has to get Pepper to replace it because the old one's wearing out and he needs a new one put in, they just did a, like a dummy chest and he kind of squirmed his, his uh, body they, behind that worked. It chest. looked fine. Yeah. yeah. It looked good to me. <laughs> but so he has that and that's always glowing and that's his sort of you know, signature look, but then does the suit that he wears have a separate arc reactor that's on top of his arc reactor? No, I think, I think his, that's why he, remember he, it's like by the, 
second movie, he's burning them out constantly. Yeah. So my, like, I have a couple of thoughts here. And again, I, we shouldn't fucking nitpick. It's a comic book. But I guess, again, it's a look. It's a, it's a glowing white circle on his chest. That's very cool to see in the character design. But like, once you've got a suit of armor on, why don't you like, I don't know, cover that thing with armor? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then by the by the second and third movie, you've got these suits that fly around by themselves. They've got to have a power source. Yeah, because the, the breastplate always has like a little hole there for where the thing. So it's like someone just shot that thing right in the middle. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, stupid ideas I had while watching. Yeah. So the reason he's captive, the reason he's still alive is that the terrorists have taken him and they want him to build some of his Jericho missiles for them to use against the U.S. or who knows who. I don't I don't remember who they're fighting. Well, it turns out. <laughs> anyway. That comes later. And basically they leave him alone and give him all the tech that he asks for, for who knows how long. And instead of making a missiles for him, he makes an Iron Man suit. Which, I mean, the, the stupid thing about that is I don't care how dumb these, like, you know, people are in the middle of nowhere. They're, they're going to tell that it's not a bomb he's building. Exactly. <laughs> it looks like a freaking suit. It's like they yeah. got it. At one point they have it like hoisted up. It's like, and it's like the, the body shape. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. That's uh, aerodynamic. Exactly. Yeah. So he, he completes the suit and uh, Dr. Yinsen, who's there in the who's this other scientist who happens to be captured by the terrorists as well and shows up in the third movie for a hot second. Yep. He sacrifices himself to let Tony escape, uh, which he does. And uh, he manages to fly out of there. But of course, it's a prototype suit. So it kind of just shatters when he lands. And, uh, and then I guess somehow he gets picked up by roadie and taken home which that what the thing that kind of annoys me about the like the whole hero redemption of it it's like they make him out to be such a, a shitty person before the movie starts i mean the the that yeah. jensen guy like the doctor or whatever his whole family's basically dead because of weapons that were built by star <laughs> <laughs> which they, they just they so gloss over that like as just as sort Jeez. of like like, you know, redeeming moment for him when he escapes the cave and, and that guy's like, you know, in a sense, it's like, I forgive you. Like, I'm gonna let you live that kind of thing. Right. It's like, Oh, well, no, he, then he, then he just goes and stops making weapons. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, so the, it just absolves him of all the th terrible things <laughs> he's done in the past. Right. So that's the sort of crux of the rest of the movie is that Tony gets back. He continues to work on the suit technology and he tells Obadiah that and while well, he, he announces it in a press conference. Uh, I, I had my eyes open. I came to realize that I have more to offer this world than just making things that blow up. And that is why, effective immediately, I am shutting down the weapons manufacturer division of Stark International until such a time as I can decide what the future of this company will be, what direction it should take, one that I'm comfortable with and is consistent with the highest good for this country as well. The, 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 I think the stupidest thing, and it's like we'll, we'll touch on this more when it happens, is it's like the, the stock just plummets after he makes that announcement because it's like, what what else does Stark do besides build weapons? Yeah. So it's just, yeah. And then by the second movie, you know, when he's being, he's just like, he's Iron Man, he's saving the world and everything. And he makes that comment, that offhand comment where he's like, the stock's never been higher. Higher from what? Like, <laughs> the stock goes up because people like you. I mean, what, like we, we saw Elon Musk in the second movie. Is that just sort of the Elon right. Musk of, uh, you know, of uh, <laughs> markets there where it's like, well, people are positive on Iron seen. Man. Buy Stark, buy Stark. <laughs> that's what we've seen, right? With Elon Musk, whenever he says something stupid 
you know, yeah. weird. Either the stock goes up or it goes down. Exactly. So I, I think that part's believable in this movie. Yeah. So stupid. But yeah, so so he, he wants to stop doing weapons. Obadiah doesn't want to because that's what makes all their money. And as we learn later on, Obadiah is behind all of this. And he had paid the terrorists to kidnap Tony. In fact, he, he wanted them to kill him. But I guess they took it upon themselves to make him build them a missile. I think that was not part of Obadiah's plan. Uh, yeah, no, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I think Obadiah just wanted, yeah, they wanted, I think he just assumed that they were going to kill him after he made the weapon. Yes, which he knew, which is why he didn't make the weapon. Yeah. And so eventually uh, Obadiah goes to see the terrorists and kind of takes them all out. But he also gets the prototype suit that Tony had made, brings that back and has his people work on making a, a new one because Tony won't show him any of his work because he doesn't trust him anymore. And then, you know, that leads to the standard Marvel show showdown between the hero and the villain who has equal powers, equal power from this shitty ass suit that apparently like with all his resources, it, like Tony's isn't that much better than, I mean, the guy built a, a you know, a cave yeah. and it's like, now you give him everything. And he's <laughs> yeah. again, well, it goes back thing. to the weirdness of how, how smart he is. Like, yeah, they, ha- but they, that, I mean, that they sort of made that work because Obadiah stole the new arc reactor from Tony's chest and used it to power the suit oh, that he right. made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Tony had to go back to his old one, which is not nearly as powerful. Yep. Oh, and that was the other thing. When he has Pepper take out the old arc reactor and put in the new one, he tells her to, to get rid of it, the old one. He's not sentimental about things like that. And she has it put into a little plaque and says, you know, proof that's. Tony Stark has a heart. I had forgotten completely about where that came from. Because, of course, that's what they show at the end of Endgame when he dies. Spoiler. And, like, so now I'm watching it this one. I'm like, oh, that's where that's from. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and when she gives it to him, this is the funny thing. <laughs> she she gives it to him. It's in a box and it's wrapped in a, you know, brown paper. And I'm like, this is possibly the first time in movie history that I've seen someone actually wrap a present that you have to tear the paper to get into it instead of just lifting off the wrapped uh, lid lifting of the box. It, yeah, lifting, just lifting the top <laughs> box off. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Making it camera convenient. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, we, we can't have spend time watching people rip paper. It's not, doesn't look good. Well, then you, then you have to keep rewrapping it every time. Oh, that's true. <laughs> every time you want to do a new shot. It's yeah. like, or you just build like 10 of them and you just right. have people continuously wrapping them while they're shooting. Yeah. Uh, we got our Stan Lee cameo as Hugh Hefner. Yep. When Tony finds out that Obi has been, Obi, like Obi, he's a character. Uh, Obadiah has been selling weapons to the terrorists. He flies out there and takes him out with the Iron Man suit. And that's, that's like that. The second great shot from this movie is that he walks towards the camera with the explosion behind him in, in the Iron Man suit. And then as he's what flying out of there, because the U.S. doesn't know what's going on here. They don't know that Tony has this suit. So they send jets after him to take him down. There's a that, that's by far the best scene is when yeah. he's like on the phone with, with, uh, oh, yeah. with Rhodey. <laughs> and he's like, no, is it stealth? No, sir. It's tiny. We think it's an unmanned aerial vehicle. Oh, what are we dealing with here? UAV Paris station. One, two, zero knots, correct. Let's make a call. Target, clear a hole. Hello. Tony. Who says? It's Rhodes. Sorry, hello? I said it's Rhodes. Speak up, please. What the hell is that noise? Funny, I'm driving the top down. Yeah, well, I need your help right now. It's funny how that works, huh? Yeah, speaking of funny, we've got a weapons depot that was just blown up a few clicks from where you were being held captive. Well, that's a, uh, that's a hot spot. Sounds like, 
someone stepped in and did your job for you. Why do you sound out of breath, Tony? I'm not. I was just jogging in the canyon. I thought you were driving. Right. I was driving uh, to the canyon where I'm going to jog. You sure you don't have any tech in that area I should know about? Nope. Bogey spotted. Whiplash coming hot. Okay, good, because I'm staring at one right now, and it's about to be blown to kingdom come. That's my exit. Hello? Hi, Rody, it's me. It's who? I'm sorry, it is me. You asked what you're asking about is me. No, see, this isn't a game. You do not send civilian equipment into my active war zone. You understand that? This is not a piece of equipment. I'm in it. It's a shoot. It's, it's me! Rody, you got anything for me? Mark your position and return to base. Roger that, ballroom. On your belly. It looks like a man. Shake him off. Roll, roll. Right. Do not shoot at it. And he's like hugging the bottom side of a jet. Yeah, that was a fun, right. The, the, the phone calls were fun. The fight scene was kind of interesting to see how he would interact with airplanes like that. Yeah. Yeah. He was hugging the bottom of it. And then as they peel away, the, the other pilot sees him and he shakes him off. He accidentally like just crashes through the wing of one of the planes. So the pilot has to eject and he, and the, the chute won't open. So Tony flies over and saves him by opening his chute. And they still almost get shot down by the other one. Yeah, Tony asks Pepper to go to Obadiah's computer and download all the files that show that w- what he's been doing. And yeah. he catches her doing that, and he doesn't realize it until she's left the room. And I love, I mean, it's movies, so all the computer tech is completely crazy. Oh, I know. Don't even get me started on the second movie where he takes over a TV in the Senate hearing. In the beginning, um, when he like oh, commandeers oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the televisions, it's like, and like yeah. reprograms them to like be under his control. It's like, it's a TV, dude. <laughs> right. But that's the thing. You buy into a little bit of it. It just kind of all falls from there. Yeah. I love the, the mech, the, the Iron Man suits like visual and audio. Like, yeah. They yeah. really nailed that. It's, and I think it's probably because it's a hard, shiny surface. That's a lot easier to do in CGI than like textured like, skin or like, yeah. yeah but then of course the, the audio the clanging of it just really helps sell it as well it's like heavy metal hits of just it seems like yep. it's like it, they, they almost like sounds like they reuse some of those sounds of him just like using a hammer on those like you know big sheets right. of metal yeah yeah clank yeah and then especially when you get into the the other fights in the avengers movies like iron man thor captain america so you got oh, yeah, hammer, just like knocking shield, him around and stuff clang and clang like, clang yeah. <laughs> He's like knocking over trees and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So they have the big fight against Obadiah and I guess they're at a power station or something. And Pepper has to overload all the circuits on the roof to fry everything, to fry Obadiah's suit. And she thinks she fries Tony's arc reactor, but it's, he's okay. Um, for some reason he's, he's all powered up, man. And then they have the final press conference where, uh, he's given a, line of you know or he's given some notes by colson as to what to say and then he just says screw it and tells everyone that he's iron man uh been a while since i was in front of you i figure i'll stick to the cards this time (laughs) there's been speculation that i was involved in the events that occurred the freeway and the rooftop i'm sorry mr stark but do you honestly expect us to believe that that was a bodyguard in a suit that conveniently appeared despite the fact that i know that it's confusing it is one thing to question the official story and another thing entirely to make wild accusations or insinuate that I'm uh, a superhero. I so, never said I mean, you were a superhero. Didn't? Mm-mm. Well, good, because that would be outlandish and uh, fantastic. I, 
I'm just not the, the hero type, clearly, with this uh, laundry list of character defects, all the mistakes I made, largely public. Truth is, I am Iron Man. Apparently, that was Robert Downey Jr.'s idea. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and so that's a, that is interesting. So I again, I don't know what the comics are like, but I've I've heard that everybody has secret identities. Thor has a secret identity. Iron yeah, Man, and Iron, yeah, it's like a public knowledge thing that. That Tony Stark yeah. is, yeah, is Iron Man, yeah. So it is interesting that he did that. And then the way that that plays out in the next couple movies, it's almost like, well, this is the opposite of every Spider-Man and Batman we've ever seen. Because yeah. Yeah, yeah. they keep their identities secret to protect the people around them. And Robert Downey Jr. is like, no, here I am. Here's my address. <laughs> you know? Yep. Well, for some killed. of them, I mean, it's like for some of them, it's like for Thor, it's like it's Thor's face is out there all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's like there's, there's no, no thing, like and he gets recognized in the streets and stuff yeah like the later movies and it's like and then yeah. at some point uh you know chris evans captain he just stops wearing a mask right when he it's like there is a kind of a point i think after like the first or second avengers or something when like all those guys are now like public like they you know they, everyone knows that the avengers saved and it's like yeah can imagine how many cameras were on them i mean they're, they're the all eating shawarmas at the end of avengers <laughs> just yeah, in exactly. some restaurant yeah yeah now, so I guess this came out in 08, which is right after a year after the iPhone came out. So camera phones weren't quite as ubiquitous as they would become later on. But you got to imagine any big newsworthy event is going to have a bazillion news cameras and yeah. faces yep, are going to yep. be all over everything. Did, did you ever did you ever see the uh, the Burger King reference? No. So you know how he goes and gets remember. Burger King? Like the first thing he wants yep. after getting backed into a. Yeah, uh, you know the country and being after being held hostage for whatever it was like six weeks or a month or like a month or whatever. Yeah, uh, it's he wants Burger King. Right. And he goes. He's, so that was like a, so apparently like Burger King was the thing that made Robert Downey Jr. like uh, like attempt rehab. Oh, really? Was that that the, supposedly he was like on a bender or something, doing a bunch of drugs, and and he was eating a Burger King burger, and he just he. He said that it was he what was something about like how how horrible it tasted, <laughs> and he just realized how how rock bottom his life had hit. Oh, funny! <laughs> so then we get the famous post credit sequence where Nick Fury tells Tony about the Avengers Initiative, which I, I wonder if that was a post credit sequence. I wonder if they like after they they made the movie and they're like, okay, this is gonna work. This this is like you right. know. Like we, we're not going to put it in the movie in case we decide like, okay, this movie, this is not going to work and we're not going to use this as our first <laughs> launching thing. Yeah. yeah. That's a good, that's a good point. Cause a lot of times when, if you end a movie with setting up a sequel and it doesn't do well and you don't get a sequel, which we've yeah. seen many then times Then you just look here. stupid for like, okay, <laughs> yeah. well they set that up and that didn't go anywhere. And then, we, then we'd be doing this as a sequel failure. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It does seem like at least for the ones in the Iron Man and the Thor ones, the post-credit sequences are done later. They're done possibly by a different director, yeah. you know, and they yeah, may yeah. just be, they may just be scenes from whatever movie's coming up next in, in some of them. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Like for the end of the Iron Man two, it ended up with the flash forward to Thor, which is where Coulson finds the hammer. And that is just, that's just straight out taken from the Thor foot. But then all, but they, he does also mention, uh, Nick Fury mentions that in the donut shop when he goes, uh, I got bigger problems in the, you know, the Southwest that I got to deal with, which he's talking about. Oh, that's Thor. true. Right. Right. Yeah, it's all tied together, you know? Yeah. No, but I'm sure that first one was probably nervous for them where they were like, we don't know if this is going to, whether this is going to be Angley 2003 and it just <laughs> goes nowhere. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know, and, and they're betting on a, a star who's not had the best track record. So. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, I guess they they kind of threw Shane Black that bone for the third movie because that's if I mean if you've not seen if anybody's not seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, you go watch it, and that's what they basically cast uh, Robert Downey Jr. for mm-hmm. Iron Man off of. Right, right, because that was what, yeah, that was in the middle that of was all 05, yeah. And was Val Kilmer in that too? He was, yep. Yeah, I gotta watch that. Oh, that's a great movie, yeah. The di- the di- especially, I mean, if you think Robert Downey Jr.'s dialogue is great in that movie, it's like Val Kilmer's is even better. And he's mm. just, he's just phenomenal delivering it. He's so smooth and, and it's like, whereas, whereas Robert Downey Jr.'s like snappy dialogue comes across as sort of like hyper and sort of like panicked. It's mm-hmm. like Val Kilmer's is just so cool and calculated. It's, it's sort of like, it's I, I, honestly, it seems more like, uh, the Tony Stark character is just sort of a cross between the two. Yeah. Like I can the, see that. Like Val, Val Kilmer and Robert Downey Jr. in that big kiss, kiss, mm-hmm. bang, bang. And then the other one, of course, is the nice guys. So oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, fish out of, not fish out of water, but two, two guys that don't want to team up have to team up. Which, I mean, yeah. come on, that's just lethal weapon. Yeah, exactly. Which is also shame. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the only one that he did that's not set at Christmas is Predator. <laughs> I mean, it could have been. Yeah, I never know. Do they I mean, it might, actually, that's that? true. We don't know. Might be, might be Christmas fucking yeah. jungle. Who knows? Yeah, so uh, if the film didn't succeed, Marvel would have lost the intellectual property rights to their library. So this... Saved oh, Marvel. Yeah, it would have bankrupt the company, yeah. Yeah. And as we might have mentioned this before, but the first, I think the first two of these movies and and the Hulk movie were all actually shot by Paramount or somebody. Yeah, I think I, I did notice it was, yeah, it was like Universal or Paramount that was like yeah. actually distributing it. And then the third one, I think, was the first one that was like Marvel, Marvel Studios itself. when they, yeah. yeah. I don't know. You, you shoot a couple movies and make a couple billion dollars. You can afford a studio. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. This is the last film that Stan Winston special effects guru completed before he died. Oh, really? I don't know. That. Yeah. John Favreau shot the film in California because he felt too many superhero films were set on the East coast. I, for some reason, and I live in California. I thought this movie took place in New York city. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, it, or at least on the East but there's coast. like all the, all the Malibu stuff and like, yeah, I guess I was just ignoring it and just thinking like, oh yeah, this is Avengers. This is New York city. I just forgot <laughs> that the whole first two movies. It, it is kind of movies. weird that, yeah, he, like later yeah. he does have that New York city building. It's like, well, right. Cause it seems like third, he's, he's living out of that. It's like, yeah. Yeah. There was something about why they moved it all to New York, but I mean, cause it's East coast. Avengers. But, that, but that is weird. Cause then, then in the third one, he's back in Malibu and the third one right. takes place after Avengers and Avengers is all in New York. City. It's like with his yeah, building, so guess, which it shows him living. I think mean, I guess he's rich yeah. enough that he's got like buildings everywhere, but it's like, yeah, they do make it seem like his primary residence in these three movies that he'd like always is living at is in Malibu. Right. Until that gets destroyed and then he has to move back yeah. to New York city. He's just, just a man about, he's just everywhere. And then by the later movies, he's living in some cabin in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> he's infinitely rich, right? Clearly yeah. nothing that happens means anything to him monetarily. And especially cause he's working on the suits in the first two movies, at least in his garage where he's got, I don't know, half a dozen priceless sports cars that he just destroys as he's testing the suits. Oh, and the, okay. And what's, what's even crazier than that is, so in the second movie, Justin Hammer mentions that each one of his little drone things that he's building is $7.25 million per and I'm like, okay, well then Iron Man suits have to be somewhat around that, if not more expensive. It's like, and he's, you know, oh, yeah. just blowing them up left and right. Like, come on, he can't be that rich. Like, that yeah. <laughs> he, he'd blow up like 20 suits at like $10 million a pop. Like, oh, for sure. Yeah. And I, I mean, just thinking of how much it would cost right now to, to make those suits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anything else about Iron Man 1? Uh, no. 
What do you rate it? Uh, I give it, I give it an eight. Yeah, me too. I, I actually, I enjoy rewatching this movie. Like, it is really fun. It's, it's just, it's got it's such a simple little story to it. I mean, the, the, honestly, the, the villain sucks. It's like, and that's, yeah. that's, not, that's nothing against <laughs> Jeff Bridges. I mean, that's yeah. just sort of, it's just such a, a low stakes villain. It's like, right. it's ooh, the same the villain from corporate Ant-Man. guy who's trying to muscle yeah. Tony out. Like, and it's like the, the terrorists are not like a, not even it, not even an issue. Right. It's like, he just takes them out halfway through the movie. So yeah, this is just an origin story. You're, you're yeah, really the enjoyable thing is just watching like, you know, Robert Denny Jr. Just have fun. Right. And then he's populated, you know, he's surrounded by fun characters, Pepper Potts and Happy Hogan yep, and, yep, yep. and Rhodey and everybody else. Yeah. I'm in an eight. IMDb is at a 7.9. What do you think about Rotten Tomatoes? 88%. 94. Well, okay. 94. I knew, I knew it was high. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to go that yeah. high, but I mean, yeah, I guess. Pretty, pretty good. So Iron Man 2 came out two years later, 2010. Also directed by John Favreau with a budget of $200 million as compared to 140 for the first one. I'm surprised that first one cost that. I mean, that's that's a huge risk. $140 million on a, on a, a character that's not a, that's not a Superman or like a Batman or... Or a Spider-Man. Yeah. And when they hadn't really had success yet with the Hulk movies, you know, this but is I guess big... they, they had the winning formula. His name had a man in it. <laughs> That's they, true. It's they hard. didn't go with, they didn't go with Captain America or, or <laughs> they, they were like, look, man, we, we got to capitalize on this Spider-Man yeah. Iron Man, or like Batman, Superman. They should have just we called him a, Hulk man in the, we need a man, man. <laughs> well, that's, and the Hulk is such a weird character to try and center a movie around. Right. It is. Yeah. Cause it's, it, it's, it's, it, he does, it's, he's incomprehensible. Like half the movie, mm-hmm. he's just screaming and throwing things. You're like, right. cool. It's like, like when did this become okay. like dances with wolves? <laughs> I don't understand <laughs> what the hell they're saying. So with a budget of $200 million, what do you think it made? Ooh, I'll say second it made pro- almost, pro- I'd say almost exactly the same gross and, uh, our us and international are almost exactly the same. I, I'd say three fifty. 312. Okay. Close. IMDb says, with the world now aware of his identity as Iron Man, Tony Stark must contend with both his declining health and a vengeful madman with ties to his father's legacy. Well, wasn't that the first one? Obadiah was a vengeful madman. That's that's the funny thing about all all three of these movies are just basically people that Tony pissed off in his life at some point. (laughs) I know, right? Well, I guess that's, I I guess that's sort of the story of the whole Avengers is that Tony Stark was a dick for many years because he was rich and could get away with it, rich and smart. And then he has to spend the next 20 years cleaning it all up. Yeah. Well, then cleaning up the mess of his dad. So. Yeah. And did you ever watch the Agent Carter show? No, I didn't. That was fun. And Howard Stark in that was played by the guy that played Preacher. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember his name right now. Yeah, I don't remember his name, but I know I know who exactly you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, he's great. And then Jarvis, who was his butler, who's at, and you know that's who the thing is named after. Yeah. Oh, I can't think of it. He, but he's like he looks, he just looks like an even more British Paul Bettany. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty. Cool. Anyway, that that show is fun because you get to see like young goofy Howard Stark doing his bullshit. Anyway, in as we said before, Rhodey is replaced by Don Cheadle in this movie. Uh, one of the villains is Ivan Vanko uh, slash Whiplash. Played by Mickey Rourke, Justin I, Hammer. I, I love, I love the Don Cheadle entrance in this movie, where yes. they like it, it, the, the line is basically just a, like it's a it's a secret way to address the the whole character change out to the audience. Uh-huh. But he's like talking to Tony, and he just comes in and he goes, "Hey, buddy, didn't expect to see you here. Look, it's me. I'm here. Deal with it. Let's I, move on. I, I just I drop just, it. All right, I'll drop it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like he's speaking to the audience." 
Um, as you mentioned, Justin Hammer, played by Sam Rockwell. Boy, do I love Sam Rockwell. He is never bad. And for oh, some reason, I, I, yeah. I, I came into this whole watching thinking, I guess maybe it's because I watched Thor for this show, that the first one's good and the third one's good and the second one's kind of a dip. And I'm watching this going, oh, no, wait a second. The second one's actually pretty good. And mostly because of Sam Rockwell. <laughs> yeah. It, it, you know, what? The, the thing that annoys me with Marvel is that they, they do this thing where they take these great actors and they put them in one movie and then, then they get rid of them. Yeah. Like Jeff Bridges, like, uh, you know, uh, Kurt Russell, like or Sam Rockwell. I mean, the list just goes on and on of people that just pop up in one movie. Terrence Howard. <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, for one character. And then it's just like never addressed again. Yeah. But I mean, they, but they also do put great actors in the repeating roles. They do, but it's like, but it, I mean, it's, it, it seems to me the, the, the level, the people they put in for like one movie are like these like phenomenal actors. Right. They managed to get Michael Douglas back for two movies. That's true. Yeah. So that's yeah. Yeah. Good. But I mean, who knows if that was the plan to begin with? I mean, right. Right. We have the first appearance of Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson. Yep. And it's funny because, again, I was never a huge Avengers reader. I was aware of the Black Widow character. And because she looks just in character design, she looks exactly like the Scarlet character from G.I. Joe. Okay. You know, black black yeah, jumpsuit, yeah. red, yep, long yep. hair. That whenever I'm trying to think of the character's name, all I can think of is Scarlett Johansson. Because Scar- she's you know, it's like Scarlet, Scar- Scarlett Scar- Johansson. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, wait, no. What's the color I'm looking for? Black. That's it. Black Widow. <laughs> I know she does have a name that's very like it almost seems like comic book esque, like Scarlett Johansson. Right. Speaking of Howard Stark, we get him played by John Slattery in this. Oh man, John Slattery is great. He is so great. I first saw him uh, from Mad Men, of course. Yep, yep, yep. And he is in the new Fletch movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. Kate Mara is in this for a hot second, playing a U.S. marshal. I guess she's serving papers to Tony at one point. And I know that was such a weird back. Like, yeah, yeah. And again, another character that just like comes in, yeah. does one thing, and is gone and never heard from again. <laughs> yeah. Now, is this before or after she was in Fantastic Four? Oh God, uh, probably before. I think that that Fantastic Four, I think, was like 2014. Yeah. And this movie was 2010. So this might have been around the time of uh, what's it called? Um, House of Cards. Oh, yeah. Fantastic Four. She was in into 2015. Yeah. Okay. And then House of Cards was. The House of Cards might have been 2012. And House of Cards was 2013. Okay. So this is kind of an early role for her then. Yeah. And then, of course, we get Gary Shandling as Senator Stern. <laughs> Gary Shandling. He's, he's great in this role, though. He really is. He's just sort of that, like, you know prick this senator i mean yeah in all of these well not all of them but a lot of them like the x-men movies there's always some dick senator that wants to yep. take them down yep 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 so apparently ivan vanko's back story is that his father worked with howard stark on the arc reactor but then stark sort of pushed him to the side and so ivan was able to come up with something very similar because he had the blueprints or something yeah yeah i mean they, they worked on it together so it's yeah but i mean there's a the thing there's it seems like in these movies if you know how to make something you're just able to make it there's no cost involved of materials you know <laughs> or yeah, development. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's like especially egregious in um big hero six right so the the kid's a genius and he can invent these nano things but i'm like who's paying for this you're doing it in the garage of your aunt because your parents are dead and she works at a cafe (laughs) 
Yep, yep, yep. Come on, you're overthinking it. I am. I love that. Okay, so again, classic rock. I guess they have uh, more ACDC in this one. For those about to rock, we salute you. This time we have Stan Lee as Larry King, which is kind of funny. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of cameo. They they did that uh, like Zoolander thing where it was just like, you know, cameo after cameo. Right, this is where we get Elon Musk. Yep. Which is weird. So this is 2010. Yeah. I mean, that's probably before he was, I mean, before he was like a household, household name. I guess, because that was like... So I remember Tesla was coming up in the early to mid 2000s. That's when I first started hearing about him. Yeah. And I don't know when Which, SpaceX because I mean, big common misconception about Tesla. He didn't, he didn't found Tesla. Right. He just he he was an like an investor like a couple of years after it opened. Right. It's like but it's yeah. And then just sort of kicked out the two original guys. My litmus test is like I don't think my parents do the name Elon Musk until probably like 2017. Yeah, you think? Yeah. I mean, they, 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 I think they had heard of Tesla, but it's like, like they, they, they definitely know who he is now and, yeah. and has for, I mean, he's the, like for a period of time, if not still the richest man in the world, but, but it's like his, I mean, back then Tesla was like so low money that there's no way that he was, it was just more sort of like a goof to have like another smart perceived billionaire kind of thing. My mom spends her days watching The Crown and uh, Hallmark movies over and over again. Yeah. I wonder if she even knows who Elon Musk is. <laughs> you, you need to ask her now. I'd be like, do you know who Elon Musk is? Yeah. So Tony is hauled before the Senate to hand over his uh, Iron Man tech to the uh to the government with Gary Shandling as Senator Stern. And he is so beautifully smarmy in this. Uh, Tony doesn't want to do it. He says, it's working. We're safe. America is secure. You want my property? You can't have it. But I did you a big favor. I have successfully privatized world peace. What more do you want? For now. He's not wrong, but he's also not in the right. (laughs) You know? Which is classic Tony where it's like, yeah, it's like you could see, you could see where he's right about things, but he's just sometimes a dick about it. Yeah. Right. But he's so rich and smart that he can get away with anything. Exactly. And so now we have the thing, this trope of the thing that is saving your life is actually killing you. Yep. Right. So his arc reactor is sending toxins into his blood. And there's some interesting, I don't know if it's CGI or makeup effects where there's these, you know, blue veins going all through his body. It's probably a mixture. Cause I know there's a couple of times where like they, they disappear in the shot because of like, Oh, he gets in, injected by something right. with, like from black widow. And then they disappear. Yeah. So that that's probably CGI, but it's like a, some of the shirt off stuff is probably just painted on. Yeah. And it's interesting because it's not like following the path that you would expect blood vessels to go. It's more almost like with 90 degree turns. It's almost. Yeah, that's the weird thing about it is like, yeah, it's like supposed to be going through his blood, but it's like, it's like, (laughs) it's got like 90 degree turns and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) And I guess another one of the arcs for Tony in this is that he is kind of, you know, he's moving, you know, he's a freaking superhero now. So he doesn't have time to run a business, right? So he hands over being CEO. He gives that to Pepper. And he spends basically all of his days and nights just tinkering and making more Iron Man suits and, you know, saving the world once in a while. Not a, not a bad problem to have. Yeah, we mentioned Black Widow shows up. So she, I forget if she does any action in this movie. She shows no, up. All she does, the only action she does is when she knocks down, like, Happy's trying to give her boxing lessons. And then she's like, he's very condescending to her about like, oh, what, what have you taken? Like, uh, you're like a, like a oh, booty, yeah. booty bump, uh, kickboxing <laughs> class or yeah. some sort of something like the crunch at the wire. Like, and then she like ends up doing this thing where she like jumps up, grabs his neck by her like legs, flips him to the ground. And that's like her signature move. It is. It's like, the, yeah. <laughs> 
this weird tackle that she does where she like just wraps her legs around your head and yeah. knocks you down. So it's the the scene, I'm trying to remember what movie it's in, where she's in the full black getup with the long red hair, because that changes over time too. And yeah. they're like running through some base, taking out dudes. Is that, that's not in this. That's in an adventure. No, that's not in this. No. And she's, what is her, her character's name is like What's Natalie her Rushman. Oh yeah. No, yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> that's her, her code name. Natalie <laughs> Rushman. Her cover name. Yeah. So uh, Ivan Vinko builds these power whips that he's using the arc reactor to power and he, he shows up at the Monaco formula one races and just starts whipping cars apart, which is pretty cool scene. You know, what's really weird is the, the there's any, I don't know. Is that a uh, Vanco character? Is he with those whips and everything? I don't, I don't, I honestly don't know if he's from the comics or not. I believe he is, or at least Wait, some form of it is because I, I know that there's, there's in the X-Men, there's like Omega red, which is like, he had these like long tentacle like things that were electrified that mm. like, that came out of his hands, like his wrists and stuff. And so I, I just didn't know if they were like trying to like recycle that character, but change it so that they could get away with the copyright license or something. Who knows? I did read somewhere. I think there was a character named whiplash. I don't know if it's the same. Backstory. <sighs> you know, now that you say whiplash, yeah. that doesn't make, yeah, it doesn't yeah. ring a bell. And I did see that. While the sort of Formula One museum or some car company lent them a bunch of the cool cars for this scene, yeah, all of the cars that were actually driving were all CGI. Oh, weird. Yeah, because I mean, <laughs> you don't want to whip apart a <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> priceless car. Yeah, so uh, Tony jumps in one of the cars to to his because he owns the team to the driver's you know dismay. And uh, ends up having to fight Whiplash out on the road. And it's it, this is a kind of a fun scene where Happy and, and Pepper get in the limo and start driving like the opposite way down the track to try and get his suit to it. I know, so dude. They would have wrecked so fast. <laughs> so, so ridiculous. The suits are interesting because in the first movie, he has to be like at home on the platform for the suit to be built onto him. Yeah. And now in this movie, he's come up with a suitcase version that he can just kind of slam on the ground and it builds up on his body. And then in the third movie, of course, you've got, you can, he's hold out his hand and they fly from wherever they are in the world. <laughs> the parts can come onto his body. And then, you know, of course, later on, it's all nano. They're just like, yeah, it's just on him always. <laughs> that, that, that bothers me. It's so stupid. That's, that's the most unbelievable. It's like, do you know how much that suit would weigh? That it just like <laughs> even in nanotech form, like I know mass is conserved, right? Exactly. <laughs> and then of course he gives the nano suit to Spider Man, and he's an even smaller guy. Yeah, which it, it is kind of funny. By the third movie, like all of a sudden they've got these like tight bodysuit shots of Robert Downey Jr. where he actually looks fit, which there's you know no way that he was like that in the first two movies. Oh really? <laughs> he didn't do the Marvel workout before? Probably not. No. Speaking of what they what they wear under the suits in the third movie. Isn't it isn't an important point, but I just kind of thought of it now when, you know, Rhodey, because he has the Iron Patriot suit. Yeah. And so he's flying around and then he gets take, the bad guy takes the suit away from him. And what was he wearing underneath it? You know, jeans and a polo shirt. I know. Yeah. Which are not, you know, wrinkled or in anything at all. Well, I mean, in, in this movie, doesn't when he goes to the uh, the expo or something, he um, or no, it's in the third one. Which one's the has the expo? The I third think the one, expo right? is in this one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's in this one. And he's in a business suit. When he lands, oh, and he comes, that's right. he's doing a presentation and he comes <laughs> yeah. out and he's in a business suit. Yeah, that's right. That's in the beginning. He, he gives it a whole publicity thing. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that, that gets, takes me back to True Lies and probably one of the Bond movies where Schwarzenegger is in a scuba outfit. Oh, he swims yeah, up yeah. to the big guy's that, place, that, like, gets out, and he's party, in a tux. Yeah. 
So eventually Hammer teams up with Vanko. He gets him out of prison and gives him a bunch of tech so he can help fight Tony because I guess Hammer's tech is, I forget what his deal was. He's, he's just, he's a cut rate sort of like, he's more like, yeah. he's just a businessman. They, they, they try to make him out to be sort of more of a, um, like a, like a, what's his name? Thomas Edison sort of like, or like a Steve Jobs where it's just sort of like, he's a businessman right. that runs a company that does that stuff. And he's just a good salesman. Salesman may be visionary, but he's not the tech guy. He's not a tech guy, which that kind of bothered me. It's like, I, I think they should have went the route to, to, show, to show how smart Tony is. They should have had Hammer be at least in, like somewhat intelligent, but then like, you know, the, the Stark is just better than him. Like, right. They, 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 they played Hammer too much of a joke. Yes, but he was entertaining the whole time. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get that, but yeah, yeah. I'm just saying like for care, like if, if, you know, for character building, if they wanted to like, you know, cause, cause then it, it's like the joke is like, okay, well how smart is Tony? It's like this, this guy is building shit and he's an idiot. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, then that's why he has to, to get Ivan Benko involved. Cause he's, yeah. he's not as smart as him. Like where they had that scene where hammers, like, you know, he comes in, he gets Vanko building shit for him and Vanko's made adjustments to the, the drones or whatever they, they've become from being piloted to now being like remote drones. And, mm-hmm. and hammer goes up there and he pulls the helmet off and he, and he's, you know, Oh, this doesn't fit over your head. Like <laughs> and he's making a joke. Well, I know he's not stupid. He's making a joke, but, but he, it's I just think sort it, of like wasn't it at that point, he didn't know that they were drones. He thought they were still suits. Yeah. That's, he and they, yeah. He was yeah. just sort of, he was like, look, he's like, this doesn't fit over my head. It's not, it's obviously not for a pilot. Yeah. And it's like, they should have at least had him open it up and like inspect some of the shit and like show like, okay, well he actually knows what he's doing, what he's talking about. It's like, it would have been better if, if they had, you know, here, the, the classic case of, you know, here's two genius people, but hammers more hammer leans more on the business side and Tony leans more on the tech side, like how their lives kind of yeah. diverge where oh, yeah, right. hammer was all about, you know, taking his intelligence and, and making money off it for the business but then, you know, Stark was always about the tech. Right. Yeah. And he could care less about actually running the business as long as he yeah, has money. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that could have been like Hammer's downfall is that like he's, he cuts corners and does stuff to be cheaper just to get better contracts. And I, don't know, I thought they, I thought they just did a disservice to both the characters by having Hammer just be kind of like, you know, just a, a goofy layman. Yeah. So uh, Fury comes by and leaves a bunch of Howard Stark stuff for Tony that he didn't have before. And he finds this model of the new city and, you know, it kind of reminded me of, well, I mean, it's a lot of movies, but the, the sort of the trope of the genius father leaves a bunch of stuff to his genius son. Yeah. We talked about in amazing Mm Spider-Man, which I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they're ever going to get like, there's a comic book line, like a story that I don't think that Marvel ever adapt for the movies, which is you come to find out, I think maybe 10, 15 years ago or something in the comic books, at least that, uh, that Tony Stark is actually the adopted son of Howard Stark. Oh, it's, it's not really his father. And then mm. in the comic book that, that explains why uh, Howard Stark is so like distant and cold to him as he's not really his father. And, and so, and he, he only had to adopt uh, Tony for a certain reason. And it was because uh, there's actually, there's a hidden, uh, like Howard Stark's true son has to be kept out of public eye. And so the, the family only adopted Tony to like, to be the replacement 
in the public eye of having the son they were supposed to have. Oh, this sounds convoluted. It, it, it totally is. So, <laughs> and which, which, I mean, if they ever wanted to like replace Iron Man with somebody else, they could run that story. Yeah. In, in this, because, because supposedly the Tony Stark's like, you know, adoptive brother, Howard Stark's real son is even smarter than Tony. Oh, geez. Cause you know, genetics. Exactly. Well, yeah. Well, th- th- it works into the storyline where, the, like, some guy. This is so convoluted. Some few, like, some space robot, like, what? messed with the genes of it, dude. It's <laughs> just this is just a complete sidetrack. So it's, it's so Howard Stark and his wife Maria are going to have a, a child. Then during her pregnancy, she starts having complications, and they're going to lose the child. Somehow, Howard finds this like space robot. Who, who agrees to like perform like genetic alterations on the child to let him survive. But in exchange, he wants to accelerate him to beyond X-Men level human, like uh, sort of like evolutionary path. And so Howard Stark agrees so the the kid survives, but then Howard Stark discovers that there's like a kill switch that's been put into the kid. And so he like disables, like chemically disables the kill switch by altering his genes but then the kid ends up getting sick because of it. And, but he doesn't want to alert the robot that he like removed the kill switch. So he goes and adopts uh, some kid and then starts raising that kid, his, his son. So that way the robot never clues on to the, the real son is like, you know, been, been altered. It's so fucking. And, and you say they haven't used this for a movie yet. No, they have not. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Okay. But that but that's like in the comic book continuation of like the current Iron like Iron Man series, like that's the backstory. Like he's not he's the adoptive oh. son of Howard Stark. Okay, and he's never been replaced by the original son? And um the little the original son comes back into the picture and he ends okay. up becoming an Iron Man himself. Like oh, okay. An even better Iron Man. And even he's he's even smarter. It's like because he's been accelerated to like like I said, how, like how in the X Men they're always like the X-Men are the next evolutionary step in humans. Well, yeah. This robot was like, I want to take this kid to be the final step, like beyond the X-Men and the evolutionary path of humans of how smart he is. And like, he's got to be played by Will Wheaton. Oh yes. Thank <laughs> God. You nailed it. So yeah. So Vanko built all these uh, mech drones and then Rhodey, I guess somehow gets his suit gets controlled by them. So well, once the- again, it's, you know, hacking. Just, you know, right. fill it in with hacking. <laughs> and they, and they, they try to stupidly explain it by like, oh, Justin's, uh, you know, Justin Hammer's, uh, his OS is just so crappy. Like <laughs> his programming is always just terrible. And that, that's, that's literally what our, like, you know, what's his name? Uh, Tony says in the beginning of the movie. And then Hammer mentions they're going to like take the Iron Patriot suit and reprogram it and, with an upgrade of their own operating system. And yeah, so they, they just did too much to try to set that up, to try to sell that. And it's just like you don't even need to do that. Just like it's he hacked because dot, 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 you know, it's back to the old Simpsons thing. You just flick the switch from good to evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So roadie, uh, so war machine is fighting iron man alongside all these drones until iron man can reboot roadie's suit. And then they have to face off against a bunch of them and whiplash shows up and he beats him up for a while. He gets his own there? suit. Yeah. Yeah. He sets all the drones to explode. Tony rescues Pepper. They get out of there. I wrote down, he only agrees to be in the Avengers if he and Ro- Rhodey get awards. <laughs> Straight up uh, Star Wars stuff. Yeah. yeah, right. Um, yeah, so then the post-credit sequence is, we kind of mentioned earlier, Coulson going to New Mexico and finding 
uh, Mjolnir, or at least seeing seeing where it is out there in the crater. Yep. Mickey Rourke's Russian accent. It, it drifts. There's some times where it's, just, it's not there, and sometimes <laughs> yeah. where it's like so heavy that you're like, what did he say? Yeah, and I don't know squat about Russian accents. So I cannot tell how good it is or not, but it's like, it's there. It's happening. Sometimes yeah. it's better than others, I guess. But again, another character, it's like, you know, just like in Once, and out. One and done. done. Yeah. Especially for someone who seems to be probably near as smart as Tony Stark. Right. There's a sequence of people. <laughs> I know. Yeah. That are very smart. That Stark has to keep coming against. Well, the, the, the kid in the second one, he, or no, I'm sorry, the third one. Um, oh, the kid. Yeah. He, he pops back up again. Did you ever notice that he shows up at the, uh, the funeral? Oh, I didn't remember that. Of course, yeah, I didn't. Tony Stark's funeral, there's, so. there's uh, that kid's there. And obviously, he's much older. He's like, you know, in right. his like, early 20s at that point. Yeah, so Emily Blunt was supposed to be Natasha Romanoff. Oh, that's really weird. But she had scheduling conflicts. I think that would have been a very interesting Black Widow. Dude, she just scheduled herself out of like $40 million. <laughs> I know. Now she's got to survive on that Quiet Place money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Although, would she, would she, what, what kind of accent would she have done? Right. I mean, I can't remember whether she had an English accent in Live, Die, Repeat. I think she kind of did. I think she did. Yeah. So I don't know how good she is at an American accent. But then, of course, Scarlett Johansson, I think she starts doing a Russian accent, but then loses it. I've heard, I've heard Emily Blunt do American accents and she's not, but it's like, but it's always her doing mocking American accents. Right. Because right. she's married to, uh, what's his name? Yeah. John. Uh, John Krasinski and she's always talking about how like her kids have John's accent and she always mocks it. <laughs> and so she's always doing like mocking American accents. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, okay, well, can you do a real one? <laughs> of which, I mean, he popped up, uh, in what's yeah, it called in, um, Dr. Strange, Dr. Strange. And, and I guess they're, you know, maybe they make a fantastic four with him. Right. And her, who knows? Oh yeah. She could be Sue storm. Yeah. So maybe that worked out that she didn't end up being yeah. Black Widow. There's a sprinkled through all of these trivia is like, oh, so-and-so is supposed to be this. But then they later came back as, you know, the Falcon or, you know, so-and-so was trying yeah, to be yeah, this, but yeah. they later came back as a much bigger role. Well, I, I, that's how I think Marvel works, though. I think they just sort of like, we like this actor. We want to find somewhere to put them in. Yeah. Sam Rockwell was one of the original choices for Tony Stark. And I could see, I could that, see yeah. that happening yeah. for sure. Yeah. And we mentioned this when we did Spider-Man, but the um, boy in the Iron Man mask in this movie is canonically Peter Parker. Exactly. Yeah. They were trying to be so secretive about this movie that when they shipped the prints to theaters, there were three separate cans, right? Because you can... You only fit so much movie in a can. Yeah. Cans number, can number three held reels one and eight, and it was locked, and the combination to the lock was not sent until a few hours before the midnight premieres. Weird. Yeah. Now that, I, you know, my friend Matt and I used to work at a movie theater, and I think that would have been super freaking annoying to whoever had to do that, because especially if you're a big theater and you have multiple showings of the same movie, you're not... You're not just like throwing a reel on a projector. You have to take all eight reels and run them onto one platter. Yeah, so you have yeah. to like run one on, tape it to the next one, run that on. And so that's a long process. It took Matt all night to get all the movies done for the Friday shows. If you had to wait till a couple hours before it started, oh man, that pissed me off. Yeah. I mean, they, they, yeah, it's like they could have just, you know, there's no reason to lock the opening to it. It's like at least give them the first two thirds of the movie so that they can yeah, work Yeah, lock the last reels, whatever. And talking about, what was what was the other thing we were talking about in, in Cobra Kai, how uh, the guy that plays Silver is only, is actually younger than, than Ralph Macchio. Yeah. So in this, John Slattery, who plays Howard Stark, is only two years 
older than Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> That's so crazy. He looks so much older though. Right. Cause he's always got the silver hair. Yeah. And I guess they went with a younger-ish actor so that they could do the the old film scenes of him being younger and then age him up when they need to. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Because actually, most of the time we see Howard Stark, he's younger anyway. Because there was another actor that, I mean, that played him. I mean, I, I yeah, know obviously Don- in, in, they, they did a younger version in, in Captain America, but wasn't there like an, another actor who played the older Howard Stark? No, I think it, I think it was Slattery in, in like Endgame. No, I know that, but I'm saying like I, in... Slattery, Slattery was not in Howard or in Iron Man one. I don't think I don't think Howard Stark was in Iron Man one. There was no like archival footage or I or don't think. Also, whatever actor they used for Captain America, the young it like looks nothing like Slattery. <laughs> like those two characters did not grow into each other. Wait, what? In Captain America, they they have oh. like a twenty something. Uh, okay, Howard so Stark. You're right. So in Iron Man one. Uh, there's a guy named Gerard Sanders who plays Howard Stark. Yeah, I knew there was like just some random. Yeah, exactly. Huh. Oh yeah, Dominic Cooper. He's the one that was in the Agent. Okay, so they just Carter. used him for okay for yeah. the Carter. Okay, so yeah, so we've got Bree Howard Stark actor. <laughs> yep, yep. Classic. Uh, you know, Marvel just like yep, get rid of the first guy. Yeah. Doesn't fit what we want to do now. Um, have, did you ever watch the Red Dwarf show on uh, British television? Yeah, I've seen, I've seen a few of them. I've not seen like all of them. But- okay. So in that show, there's these robots on the ship that are called scudders and they're basically, they just trundle along and they've got little like three pronged heads that they can pick things up with. I know what you're talking about. Yep. Apparently Howard Stark's, not Howard Stark's, Tony Stark's robots that he's always yelling at in the lab are based on the scudders. They're an homage to the scudders. They're always goofing up and he's always yelling at him. Yeah. That was cute. All right. So I see, I did the first one. I gave an eight. This one I'm at a seven. How about you? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I think I, I think I was gonna go six, but I actually now think seven is pretty good. Just because you, you, I mean, you reminded me how awesome Rockwell is in this movie. Yeah, because it's like, I mean, I, the, the I, I don't honestly, I don't know who's a worse villain, the Vanko or or what's his name from the first one? Oh, in the first one, Obadiah. Obadiah, yeah, Obadiah, Obadiah Stain or whatever. I mean, it's they're, they're both. The problem with these movies is that I mean, I, I get why they had to stop making Iron Man after Iron Man, Iron Man centric movies after three. The the storyline had escalated so much to these like interworld or like interworldly threats that like you can't just have like up oh, someone stole an Iron Man suit. Like <laughs> he's the evil guy now. Like, yeah, Got to drop everything right. to go take this guy out. Yeah. And we've seen him tinkering around and battling his demons and stuff for so much. Let's, let's move on to other things. I think. Right. So Rotten Tomatoes is uh, agreeing with us at 72%. What do you think about IMDb? <sighs> IMDb, I feel like was probably a little bit lower, maybe 6.8. Good. 6.9. Okay. So Iron Man 3 came out in 2013. Again, directed by Shane Black. We mentioned Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, The Nice Guys, The Predator. Lethal Weapon, etc., with a budget of two hundred million, and I believe I read somewhere that it was originally supposed to be one hundred and forty million, but then they upped it to two hundred for some reason. What do you think it grossed? I'm gonna say this one was more than the others. <laughs> yeah, f- uh, four oh five. Nice, four oh nine. Okay, and then, but then then worldwide it was probably less, like maybe like three something. No, internationally, according to Box Office Mojo. Internationally, eight hundred and five million. What? <laughs> I did not know it was that big. Yeah. IMDb synopsis is when Tony Stark's world is torn apart by a formidable terrorist called the Mandarin. He starts an odyssey of rebuilding and retribution. So, new characters in this are Aldrich Killian, played by Guy Pierce, Trevor Slattery slash the Mandarin, 
played by Ben Kingsley. Maya Hansen, small role, played by Rebecca Hall. And then we have the President Ellis. We here's here's your 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 acting talent. President Ellis, played by William Sadler. Yes. And Vice President Rodriguez, played by Miguel Ferrer. Oh man, I love. And if when you Sadler don't know, he's bad up. at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. Yeah. Oh, Sadler, Sadler's just great, man. Oh, I love him so much. So it's such a weird thing when he pops up in uh, Die Hard Two, doing those like weird naked yoga at the beginning. Oh God. <laughs> I always forget about that. And then I watch Die yeah. Hard 2. I try not to watch Die Hard 2. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that one. But then uh, when I do, I'm always like, what is well, I forgot about this. <laughs> it reminds me. And we probably, I probably said this when we covered it for this show, but um, the show Mallrats, Kevin, yeah. Kevin yeah, Smith's yeah. second movie, where uh, Michael Rooker is doing a bunch of weird Kung Fu moves in front of the television and his towel falls off. And oh yeah naked it's not as explicit as die hard do but it's still weird yeah so we, we start with a flashback to uh new year's eve 1999 and um yinsen is there and says a couple of words to tony which i guess they put in there just to reference back in the first movie when they're in the cave and he said that they had met before and this is just like hey look remember this guy <laughs> okay. yeah 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 he's gonna he's gonna die later yeah yeah guy pierce is there as this Aldrich character, and it's really funny when they do this. I know exactly what you're going to say. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly. As soon as I was watching right. this again, like yesterday, I was like, or this morning, I was like, I know exactly what Dave's going to say about this. They take an obviously good looking, <laughs> yep. handsome actor and give him buck teeth and a shaggy wig yeah. and tell He's him to like, act like, like a nerd. Crooked yellow teeth and like yeah. stringy hair, like stringy, greasy hair. It's like, dude, if you, if you just whitened your teeth, maybe got some straightening and <laughs> yeah. just like, you know, washed your hair people and cut it. People would be like, my God, this man is attractive. And they would listen to you. Yeah, exactly. He kind of pushes his way into the elevator and tries to get Tony Stark and Maya. What's the character's name? Yeah. Maya Hansen to, to buy into his think tank that he's created because uh, he's a fan of her work and yada, yada, yada. And they just blow him off. And it's like, well, one, I get it. You're in this business. It's hard to make contacts. You got to be a little pushy, but two, you, clearly you're a crazy person. I mean, he was basically Jim Carrey from Batman three. Yeah. I mean, I, Honestly, how well do you think it would go over if 10, 15 years ago, I just found my way into an elevator with Steve Jobs and was like, yeah. here, I got an idea for a new iPhone. He'd be like, what <laughs> the fuck are you doing? Get out of yeah. here. So, of course, that sets him on the path to becoming a supervillain. Back in the present day, Tony builds a new suit prototype that can self-assemble on him. This is uh, this is Mark 42. When they and they make that, the Pepper makes that joke. She's like, man, you've been working on these things like crazy. What are you up to, like 16? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he, right. just, he looks at it. It's like 42. Yeah. <laughs> in the midst of this, which I love. And, and again, this is like, this is the good side of storytelling where he's trying things and failing and has to keep trying to get it to work. You know, he's not instantly successful all the time. Yeah. Unlike some other superheroes. Anyway. So, um, <laughs> while he's doing this, the Mandarin, uh, takes over TV broadcasts, which is pretty impressive by the way, and shows this terrorist video where he's going to blow up cities around the world or something. He doesn't even have any demands. He's just saying he's going to do it. And I don't even know some what people call me a terrorist. I consider myself a teacher. America. Ready for another lesson. In 1864 in Sand Creek, Colorado, the U.S. military waited till the friendly Cheyenne Braves had all gone hunting 
waited to attack and slaughter the families left behind and claim their land. 39 hours ago, the Ali Al Salam Air Base in Kuwait was attacked. I, I, I did that. A quaint military church filled with wives and children, of course. The soldiers were out on maneuvers. The Braves were away. President Ellis, you continue to resist my attempts to educate you, sir. And now, you've missed me again. You know who I am. You don't know where I am. And you'll never see me coming. After that, Tony has a panic attack, and that sets up part of... I. What do you think about the panic attacks in this movie? Like I said, I thought they were stupid because it was... They, they didn't... They didn't debilitate him enough. Like he's still, he's, he would have a panic attack for like maybe two minutes and then he would just be, it'd be on to the next scene and he'd be normal and fine. Like it didn't really seem to impact his ability to be Iron Man too much. It was more of just a thing that would happen to him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess, and I, I, I realized that it's part of his character. It's supposed to be part of his character growth and he has to learn to be a better person or get over the traumatic effects of, of the battle of New York. So as we said, this takes place after the Avengers. But again, I just don't, I don't buy it as part of his character. I don't see him as having this traumatic, you know, reaction to what happened. There is, there is a comic book storyline where Tony Stark ends up becoming an alcoholic and it gets so bad to the point where he has to stop being Iron Man. And that's why like Rhodey takes over as like War Machine mm-hmm. for a while. Mm-hmm. It's just because he he literally is like hit rock bottom and is incapable yeah. of like, you know, getting out of the house and stuff like that. So I feel like they were trying to do that, but then they just were like, well, it's still an Iron Man movie. We can't just sideline right. him. For, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and we and, can't make it alcoholism. Well, but, but that's the thing is I thought alcoholism was sort of a key component of his entire character. Yeah. Uh, at least in the comics. I didn't yeah, know if, yeah. you know, so they've touched on it in these movies, but they haven't really made it explicit, I guess. I, so, yeah. I think, you know, to keep it still kind of family friendly, I think they, they just sort yeah. of like, they play it off as just sort of like, oh, he's a party guy. It's like, it's not like, oh no, he has a problem. Yeah. And then I think there's one line in this movie when she's talking to Pepper and she says something and he's like, yeah, you know, back when I was drinking, I would have done this. So it's a little just reference that I guess he's not drinking as much anymore. Yeah. So Aldrich comes to Stark Industries to talk to Pepper about his technology that he's developed, extremists, I think he calls it. And of course, he looks like Guy Pierce now. And it was so weird that he, she's like, wow. And she remembered him, although. Why? I don't remember her being in that scene from the beginning of the movie. No. Yeah, it doesn't make any. Well, it's, I think they met through something else or something. I don't know. Yeah. So she says, wow, you look different. Or you look great or whatever. And he's like, yeah, something, something physical therapy. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like you, there's like three or four things that would have helped you. A haircut. Yeah. Braces tooth whitening and psychotherapy not physical <laughs> yeah, yeah. therapy yeah <laughs> you I mean, need to become a normal is, like, person like he's, he's a completely different personality which it's like i don't think that's the extremist thing it's like it's more supposed to be like a body thing and rather than like now he's just he's just so confident now that he's so handsome i guess yeah. undoing undoing decades of weird neuroses and, and like <laughs> behavioral things yeah. that he has. Yeah. At best, he was a nerd on the spectrum and at worst he was a psychopath. Exactly. And he's yeah. still kind of a psychopath, but he's a, he's a good looking one now, which is the worst kind. Well, they also do that, that fake out that, stereotypical like where you think the the woman 
uh, what's her name? Uh, Maya. Maya. Yeah. Like she's trying to uh, like stop oh, yeah. him and stuff like that. But then it turns out she's in on it with him. Yeah. Except that she wanted to, and they were arguing because she wanted to, I don't know, get pepper pots on board to then get Tony on board. Cause they can yeah, use cause his she, help. she thinks that Tony can fix this problem. If, if he just, they just get Tony to look at the problem, he can find a way to stop the explosions that are happening. Right. Yeah. So that's the, the plot of this thing is that Guy Pierce has come up with this thing called extremis, which is that you inject it into somebody. And if they survive that process <laughs> without exploding, then they have super strength and can breathe fire and all these other things and can regrow limbs. But at some point, sometimes, I guess if they don't manage it well, or if maybe they're not taking the right if there's too much, I think that's there's too much damage to the body, then when the body tries like excessively like regrow and repair, it like just goes into like some sort of like, you know, like overpowered state to where it explodes. Kind of reminds me of that that uh, Samaritan. Did you see that one? Is the Stallone? Samaritan. No, no, I haven't seen it. Just came it yet, out. It's no. like a it's like yeah. a thing on Netflix where he's a super. He's like an. I, I know. I know about it. I yeah. haven't seen it yet. Yeah. And he's all he eats is ice cream because if his when his body gets damaged and has to repair itself, he has to cool it, overheat unless he eats a lot what, of. Ice what, cream. what is this? Uh, Universal Soldier with Van Damme. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where the, have you seen that? Oh, it's been a long time. Where it's like they're all they're all dead bodies that have been reanimated. Oh, it's like, but it's but there's something about like how like they, when they go into combat they overheat and so they they have to basically be like stored in a freezer in between missions to keep oh, their funny. body from like heating up and decomposing or something. Yeah, something like that for sure. So Aldrich pitches his te- this extremist technology to Pepper, and it's, he's being, being very hashtag me too the whole time, touching her and oh the weird kind of gives her a kiss, kiss on the cheek at the end. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, so weird. and she's just sort of like ooh, ooh, ooh like, yeah, yeah, she's into it, but she is not into the technology because she doesn't. She thinks it can easily be weaponized, which is of course exactly what he wants to do with it. Well, that's, that's, doesn't these movies teach you anything? As long as you're handsome, you can kiss any woman you want, and she <laughs> she will love it. Even if she knew you as being a weird, creepy guy from before, <laughs> right? As long as you're handsome, it just undoes all that other stuff. Yeah. So while this is happening, Happy is video calling with Tony to tell him what's going on. He's like, "Oh, there's this creepy guy in there with Pepper. I don't trust him. I don't trust this guy who's over here." And Tony, Tony's kind of blowing him off as usual. And there's a funny line where, because Happy's been promoted from Tony Stark's bodyguard to head of security at Stark Enterprises, and he's like. Let me tell you something. You know what happened when I told people I was Iron Man's bodyguard? They would laugh in my face. <laughs> I had to leave while I still had a shred of dignity. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So Happy really doesn't trust Aldrich and his guy. So he tracks his guy down to the <laughs> the Man Chinese Theater in L.A. I know. Yeah. Again, yeah, whatever they call it now, Lowe's Man. Yeah, yeah. What it's it's got yeah it's got a different name. Yeah, it's probably the AMC Cinemark Three <laughs> something at this point. And he sees them. There's this shady deal. So so. I guess, what is his name? Simon? Oh, yeah. I don't remember that guy's name. The, the, the guy who's reading the magazine in the beginning? Yes. I remember him from 24. Okay. He, in like season three or four, he comes on as Kiefer Sutherland's assistant or some shit. Uh, Savin. Yeah. Oh, that, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. So he, Savin goes and meets with this guy. Clearly, this guy also, well, I mean, we don't know what Extremis is doing yet, but this guy is glowing red, so it's doing something. And they have this exchange where Savin is asking him, hey, can you handle it? Or can you, I forget what the question was. I'll, I'll put the quote in here. Can you regulate? Yes, I can regulate. Sure about that. Yes. And so he gives him, I guess, a suitcase full of doses. 
and Happy bumps into him and steals one of the doses when they fall out of the suitcase. And then Savin comes back and starts to get in a fight with Happy, but then this other dude just can't handle it and he blows up and kind of probably kills dozens of people around him. I know. Yeah. Puts Happy in a coma. And then they were saying stuff like, you know, there's all these bombs that are exploding, but they leave no bomb shrapnel, so they can't tell what's going on. And the Mandarin starts taking credit for these things. And then Tony and whoever have to like trace down to what's happening. And, and which leads Tony to go on to, TV and say yeah, that, yeah. When is somebody going to kill this guy? Just saying. Is that what you want? Here's a little holiday greeting I've been wanting to send to the Mandarin. I just didn't know how to phrase it until now. My name is Tony Stark and I'm not afraid of you. I know you're a coward. So I've decided that you just died, pal. I'm gonna come get the body. There's no politics here, it's just good old fashioned revenge. There's no Pentagon, it's just you and me. And on the off chance you're a man, here's my home address, 10880. Malibu Point, 90265. I'll leave the door unlocked. That's what you want, right? Which I think is hilarious because it's like, he's so famous and that house is so big. Anyone who wanted to find him could find him. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. It doesn't matter what his address is. The only thing is it's like, now he's put out a threat, so which is why Killian sends his goons after him. So they send a fleet of helicopters to blow up Tony's his little Malibu cliffside Malibu cliffside Malibu mansion and they do this thing where they shoot a bunch of missiles into it blows up eventually it falls into the thing and they made a set that was on a gimbal that could rock 45 degrees Oh, crazy. For for each take. And so they really actually had him like scrabbling around on a slanted piece of a floor that would keep turning. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. And there's a shot when the first missile comes in, it hits and you see in slow motion, Tony and Pepper are getting thrown backwards and he does the little move that we've seen him before to summon the Iron Man, the new suit to him. But I guess he did it in a special way because it goes to Pepper yeah, to, to protect her. Which is, okay, this is the stupid thing. Answer me this. He put all, he injected all those little trackers in his body, like yeah. 36 of them or something. So the suit could like find, and, but somehow I guess he didn't need those because it just went perfectly onto Pepper. Without the, that's what her, I'm saying. Her, this her Jarvis AI you. is this Jarvis AI is way too smart, <laughs> and it doesn't always make sense. But it's it's yeah. fine if it's smart, but it's just sort of like why did he have to inject himself with all these right. trackers? Yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe that was there to do the the hand gestures. To see yeah, what I his guess. gestures. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the he injected a Wii controller into his arm. Yeah, yeah. Good point. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sold. No, you're you're good. You're good. No, but like later in the movie when the Iron Patriot, I can't, I hate that. It's just he's right. It's a bad name. War Machine is such a better name. Yeah. When the Iron Patriot suit, they capture Rhodey and they manage to get the suit off of him, and then they stick it, and and then Savin gets in it and goes to Air Force One to to get the president, and then he sticks the president in it and sends him back to to Killian. But then later, when they're fighting, and all the mech suits show up, all the Iron Man suits, and uh, Rhodes is like, "Hey, give me a suit," and he's like, "No, I I can't. Uh, they're all keyed to me." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, exactly." <laughs> so the government didn't key the Iron Patriot suit to Rhodey? Well, I think that, or at least Rhodey that got, and that three got other put backup on the president guys. and then destroyed, didn't it? What's that? So the <clears throat> the Iron Patriot suit was put on the president. Remember when he's hanging there in the Iron Patriot suit and then it get, doesn't it get destroyed or Yes. Yeah, when he gets the 
Like, but I, I see what you're saying, where it's like he, he obviously could put that suit on Pepper. Why couldn't he just put a suit on on yeah, Rhodey? Exactly. That's my point. So Pepper gets Maya out of the house, and then when when Tony realizes she's clear, he summons the suit to him. He gets on, in it, but then he falls into the water with the house, manages to get himself loose, and then flies out. And I guess the last thing that they were doing with Jarvis before the attack was he's like, oh, one of these first explosions happened in Tennessee. Plan me a flight path there. So by the time he wakes up in the suit, he's in Tennessee and about to crash because he's running out of power. And then he gets all mad at Jarvis where he's like, why do we end up in Tennessee? And he's like, that's where I had planned a flight plan for. Like, okay, so this thing's so like, first off, why do you need a flight plan? You're not a, you're not a freaking commercial jet. Like you just get in there and fly there. It's like he couldn't come. It's like he had to stick to that flight plan. I don't know. It's just such. Well, I think the point was is due to the damage, Jarvis was like really that's confused true, at that point. That's true because he does sort yeah. of shut down after that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the thing is that was the last instruction Jarvis had. And so he's like, okay, execute Tennessee flight plan. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to sleep. Yeah. Yep. Then he meets uh, the kid, Harley. He meets the kid. I don't know what the kid's name is. Harley. I don't know if we, what's it? Harley. Harley. Okay. Harley something. And, I don't know something and the kid so what do you think of the kid I, I thought he was okay yeah i thought he was pretty good there's some good writing going on the times when the kid was being annoying it was intentional for him to be annoying exactly yeah the one was because tony asks him like where his parents are and he's like well so uh who's home well my mom already left for the diner and dad went to 7-eleven to get scratchers i, I guess he won because that was six years ago yeah <laughs> i mean that and that's what there's they, i feel like that's a good question. I, I want to know whether they were setting him up to have a bigger presence or something because that character just disappeared completely. Yes. Yeah. I I don't know. Well, I guess, again, it goes back to the fact that they didn't do any more. Well, I think, I think once, they, once they got Spider-Man in there and they wanted him to be, you know, Peter Parker mm. to be his mentor. It's like, well, then that sort of ruins any mentorship he was going to have with his kid. Yeah. Maybe that'll be some sort of backstory later where the, that kid, oh, sort sure. of that actor no. is like, oh, that'll I was be... told that I was going to be the next Iron Man in like, you know, five years or something. Yeah. So he'll, he'll, he'll come in, you know, Rhodey will give him a suit and it'll be all good. Or Falcon will get in the suit. Yeah, so the kid helps them. Um, they they investigate the town where the explosion happened. Tony goes to talk to this lady, and turns out she's waiting there to talk to somebody else because she hands him this file that she thinks he's the one she was meeting. And it's it puts in a couple more data points together and a couple more clues. But then this woman comes in, and Tony and run into her out in the street, and she's got this, like, her half her face is burnt. And then when she comes in, and she says she's from Homeland Security, but then she starts attacking everybody and glowing red, and you know she's one of these extremist people. And I'm like, what? We saw, or we will see, actually. We haven't seen it yet. We will see that when all these people took extremists, like, they regrew limbs and lost body parts why is her face all messed <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i feel like that was just that was done to be a visual cue that like oh that's that woman and she's evil maybe i don't know because she was she was sort of just a nondescript brunette woman like yeah kind of but then so then they have a fight and this is fun so and, and, you know shane black has said the point of this story is let's get take everything away from tony all of his tech and con like whatever and just have him have to fend for himself with his wits and that this is the fun part of the movie for that because he's got to fight this woman with no iron man suit you know and he's coming up with these fire things and you know using her own heat power to burn his handcuffs off of him and the one that kills me is to, to get away so he starts that little mini fire in the house in like the kitchen or whatever yeah and then and then he goes 
like while she's dealing with that and she's, you know, caught on fire and stuff or whatever, he like takes off the valve on like the natural gas line that goes into the kitchen or something. Mm. And then she, you know, he disappears out the back. This woman comes in and then all of a sudden she looks over and she sees the, the dog tags from like, we know one of the other characters or whatever is in the microwave and it's sparking. And then that causes the explosion from the gas line. Except for there's a huge fire behind. <laughs> there's a huge fire in the next you room. Yeah, need the dog. <laughs> it was so dumb. <laughs> well, he knows exactly how natural gas works, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is uh, where we get our third Stan Lee of the trilogy. Um, he's a judge on a TV beauty pageant, which is a weird. It was a weird little thing because usually he's either interacting with somebody in the movie or. In the first two Iron Man movies, he was a celebrity cameo. He was being somebody else. In this one, he's just some nondescript judge and in a beauty beauty pageant that's on TV that doesn't mean anything to the story. Uh, And here's the thing. These Iron Man appearances that he has where he, you know, especially in the second one where he's, um, he's Hugh Hefner in the first one. And then he's. And he's Larry. uh, Larry King in the second one. And then he's this, this person is just a nobody. It's just like. It's him, but it's he's like a judge. So it ruins what they establish later is that like that character is a watcher or at least works for the watchers. Right. And it, so it's like, so you're saying that like Larry King is not real and, and, and <laughs> right? he's not real. It's like, oh, that's funny. Like the, the other times it's fine. It's like he's a bus driver or he's this mm-hmm. or that security it's guard. Like, he's yeah, a exactly. guy. Yeah. But like this is like no, he's an actual person that you all know in the real world. It's like so that just ruins. Yeah, and on the other side of that, you know, be, as we got toward the end of his life, they just started filming a whole bunch of stuff with him. So yeah, have, I heard that they they knocked out like like yeah. eight of them in like one sitting, just because they were like, well, I don't know how much longer he's gonna be able to do. <laughs> and I wonder if this beauty pattern thing is one of them because it's just like it has nothing to do with anything throw it in this yeah, he's, like one time he's a dj and it's like yeah. Beauty, yeah oh yeah and then the one time he's well i guess that was part of the thing when he was the janitor and the fight happens behind him while he's listening to music oh yeah yeah, yeah. so um tony comes comes out of the room and, and i think this is a scene or two later and there's news vans all over the place and he goes into one and he's trying to get uh, he i guess he had talked to roadie to get his login so that he could access you know whatever secret data he needed to access and he can't get enough connectivity in this news van so the news guy comes back and it's like oh he's he's like tony stark's biggest fan he's got a tattoo and everything and he has him boost the signal and inside that van is a like right over tony stark's shoulder is this computer that says sun slash oracle I'm like, oh, this is back in the day when right after Oracle bought Sun, you know, and they, yeah, they were yeah. still using the the brand name. I was like, wow. It was also stupid. It, like the login is War Machine 68. Yeah. Which is like, I mean, I guess they're not going to do War Machine 69, obviously. <laughs> but then but then it's like the password is like War Machine Rocks or rocks. something. like. It's like, yeah. And it's like, you're an idiot. You just use the same like <laughs> name for the, like the password. Yeah. It's like the most. Yeah. <laughs> right most insecure thing you could possibly do people don't know what security is although i i did like that as he was typing the password it would you'd see the letter and then it would be an asterisk like it does like kind of works in the real world 
Yeah. I also like that he was using the speed test app that we all use to test the internet. <laughs> yeah, the, the Ookla or whatever. Ookla it's one. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, geez, that's like 10 years ago. I mean, I, I've been using that for like 15 years, yeah. Yeah, so the, I guess by this point, they're trying to track down where the Mandarin broadcasts are coming from. And Rody keeps going to all these places where it's kind of a fake. You can like chain your broadcast thing so that it, th- it looks like it's coming from one place, probably a VPN or something. And then... Uh, who was it? Jarvis or somebody figures out that it's actually Miami. Right. Cause Jar- Jarvis is still in the broken down suit and, and Tony's talking to him over the phone and the kids there trying to charge up the suit. And uh, Jarvis is having trouble with sentences. And he, and he's like, Jarvis, how are we? It's totally fine, sir. I seem to do quite well for a stretch. And then at the end of the sentence, I say the wrong cranberry. And sir, you were right. Once I factored in available AIM downlink facilities, I was able to pinpoint the Mandarin's broadcast signal. What are we talking? Far East Europe, North Africa, Iran, Pakistan, Syria? Where is it? Actually, sir, it's in Miami. Okay. Kid, I'm going to have to walk you through rebooting Jarvis's speech drive, but not right now. Harley, where is he really? Just look on the screen and tell me where it is. Um, it does say Miami, Florida. Okay, first thing. Then they go and ruin. This just shows how how sometimes they overplan things so well, but then also sometimes they just like completely shoot themselves in the foot. He goes he goes to Miami and he finds the Mandarin, and it's just it's just uh, Ben Kingsley playing uh, like you know being a like some sort of British hooligan actor like pretending yeah. to be the Mandarin, the Mandarin, which right. they, they later in Shang-Chi make a joke that like, that wasn't the real Mandarin and the the actual Mandarin's upset that that guy pretended to be him. Oh, is that, I mean, I remember that scene from Shang-Chi. Yeah. Where they're all sitting around the dinner table or whatever. I thought that was, but wasn't, that was still Trevor Slattery though, right? Th- that was, but it was, it yeah. was still Trevor Slattery, but it was, yeah, it's the, but they were saying that there was another Mandarin out there who was, I mean, no, th- that that's who, that's who Shang-Chi's father is. He, he's the Mandarin. Oh, okay. He's like, he, he's, he started the little crim, the, the 10 rings or whatever, the ten rings, which right. if you look at this movie, they don't explicitely mention yes. the 10 rings he, group, but, he but has it's like ten you, rings you see the, the, the little logo has 10 rings on it. Right. So they, they, he just sort of jokes about how, you know, oh, it's like, you know, the, I, there was some idiot pretending to be me. And then they, you right. find out that they had actually kidnapped that guy and are holding him in a cell or whatever under that. So that's the thing is I, I never had any uh, preconceptions of the Mandarin because I didn't read Iron Man. So when this happened, I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of a nice fake out. But a lot of people didn't yeah. like this. Yeah. No, it, well, because I'd say the, the Mandarin actually played a big part in the, there was a, a 90s animated Iron Man TV, like comic or like, you know, cartoon. It was actually pretty well done. I mean, it was it was sort of in the quality a little bit a step down or two from like, you know, Batman animated series. But it was like, you know, on level with like the whole X-Men kind of thing that they did. And uh, the Mandarin played a big part in one of the villains of it. Mm -hmm. The Mandarin actually crosses over into a lot of other comics and is a villain of, you know, kind of note. So I think it pissed off a lot of the the comic crowd to see them like just using it as a joke. But it's all fixed now because the Mandarin. Well, it's all fixed now. Yeah, but but that was. (laughs) Did you ever hear that they were never going to make that? Apparently, like they only made that like uh, Simu Lu. What's his name? The Simu Simu Lu. Yeah, Yeah. like they only decided to make that Shang Chi movie because he tweeted out, "When when are you going to make an Asian like uh, superhero?" Uh, Uh huh. And they were, and then they were like, "Uh, okay." And then they decided to make Shang-Chi with him. Nice. But it's like, you know, so it's, they, it's not like they had that intention to be like, we'll reveal who the real Mandarin is later. Like, yeah. Like they just sort of like, we're like, nope, it's just a joke. Yeah, I can see that. 
but yeah, I not having any of the Mandarin background, I I actually enjoyed. I mean, Ben Cleese is a great actor. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was really fun to see him doing his little shtick there. I mean, it was. And, I agree, it was funny when it happened. Yeah, I, yeah. I, not a guy was pissed by it or anything, but yeah, but it, but again, it's just one of those things where you. Just just to make a one-time joke, at the time, you shut down the possibility of that character. Like, you just lost a villain right there. Yeah, exactly. Just to make a joke. Yeah. Which, I mean, at some point, they're, they're going to burn through all these villains. It's like, right. <laughs> and then it's going to be like, okay, well, who do we have left? Right. I don't know that they have quite the uh, roster that, for instance, Batman does. Yeah. I mean, it, it, like, Batman alone has, like, 20 villains. Like, <laughs> right. Marvel seems to, like, reuse a lot of their villains between comics. Yeah, you're right. They don't quite have as many good ones anyway yeah yeah magneto and <laughs> yeah i mean yeah, probably, probably their their biggest i mean like biggest villain that that's not like some like crazy interdimensional threat like you know galactus or like you know i i hate those type of villains yeah and, and marvel has too many of those like the mm-hmm. beyonder and and like galactus and and like I mean, all thanos. these yeah thanos and yeah Thanos at least is like it's it's a corporeal being that like can be yeah. killed and it's the, the the annoying one is like the watchers and right. like all these other like you know the, the the living tribunal and all these other characters where you're like what is this like this is all just nonsense and it was what is it in the in x-men with the sentinels just like the yeah yeah 80 foot tall robots that were coming yep. out yeah like, yep. okay well that's just kind of boring yep just robots that are programmed to destroy mutants yeah which is why hero or villain i don't like the super ethereal overpowered godlike beings right yeah. so yeah galactus Screw Galactus. I don't want to see a story with Galactus in it. Also, Captain Marvel is like that. I don't care yeah, about her because yeah. she's super overpowered. Yep. Yep. Come on. Do you think Thor is overpowered? Thor is a little bit overpowered. He is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he's so funny at least. Which, which is what I was talking about earlier where it's like you can't go back to an Iron Man level threat anymore. Right. Right. And that's the thing is like, yeah, right. With the first Avengers movie, I guess they've already introduced a couple of these characters. And well, yes, you've got Black Widow and Hawkeye who are just like skilled humans. Then you've got Iron Man and some other mid-level. And then you've got Thor and Hulk who are just beasts. Like, how can you challenge them? So, all right, well, giant hole in the sky with uh, Death Ray, I guess, you know, (laughs) and thousands of aliens. And then then you got to keep ramping it up, which is why the best movies are the stuff like Iron Man. Spider-Man, you know, small. It's just, just t- tone it down a little bit. Yep. You know? Yep. 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 Logan. Oh, did you see the, 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 yeah, the Deadpool, Deadpool uh, three. Yeah. <laughs> well, happens, there's, man, there's some people in. that think because of, because of the meta-ness of Deadpool, there's some people that think that it's actually just going to be Hugh Jackman in the movie. No, <laughs> Like, and it's, it's Hugh Jackman. It's like Ryan Reynolds or it's like a Deadpool is trying to get Hugh Jackman to be Wolverine or it's like, you know what I mean? Yeah, maybe that would piss everybody off. I'm sure it would, but (laughs) so anyway, the, the, the next big set piece in this is, is Air Force One. So Savin goes to Air Force One in the Iron Patriot suit, captures the president, sends the president back in the suit. And I think before he can get away, Iron Man shows up. Remind me what what he uh, Killian's supposed to be doing with the president. Like, why does oh, he want the president? So, so I guess I remember there was one line where he said, "By this time tomorrow, I'll have the biggest terrorist and the president working for me." Or like, he'll control everything once he has the Mandarin and the president. Oh, because he's he's going to get rid of the president, so the vice president will take over, right? That was vi- it. Because we the saw the vice president, president being. So I don't a bad understand. Guy. Why didn't he just shoot down the? 
Air Force One. Why does he have to do this thing where he like kid? I don't well, know. that's true. Because so later on, they've got the president in the Iron Patriot suit hanging ab- yeah. above the ship, and they yeah. were going to televise him getting killed. I think. Yeah. Or just saying, to keep up this know. ruse it's, of like it's, it's a terrorist because it's the terrorist thing. Yeah. So that was what the whole thing was there. But what ends up happening is thirteen people fall out of Air Force One, and Iron Man has to save them. Yeah. This is a great scene, and it's even better behind the scenes. So he he flies down, and they're all flying through the air, and he goes to each of them, and he like grabs on, and hey, grab onto the next person, and I'll electronically or I'll electrically close your hand so you can't let go, which seems a little odd because that's how heart attacks happen. Yeah, all that, because especially arm to arm, that goes right through yeah, the heart. Yeah, yeah. A, yeah. And then he lets them off gently into the water. So behind the scenes, I saw I saw a special feature on this years ago. They actually had skydivers jump out of planes. I think they did 45 jumps. Jeez. And all these people have, all these stunt diver jumpers have normal clothes on, and they have one of those slim back, slim uh, parachutes underneath their clothes and so every time you see like a full shot of somebody flying through the air it's really somebody falling through the air i mean that's a good way to save money yeah oh yeah but then they were all jumping from like five thousand feet or ten thousand feet and air force one is flying at thirty thousand feet so (laughs) they took the all the practical shots of people falling through the air and then this removed and replaced the shots of the ground beneath them to make it look like it was further away oh wow Okay, well that, take that back. That actually just seems way more complicated. <laughs> like, if you're going to do any of that yeah. CGI, you might as well just do it from the beginning. Yeah. Well, maybe. But anyway, it, it's a good scene. And then, as a personal note, I was on a shoot, I don't know, five, six years ago, where we were out in Utah, and they were, we, had, we had hired like four or five wingsuit jumpers to jump out of a helicopter and fly down over the monuments of Utah, and they had 3D... 360 cameras on their heads and that was going to be where you're putting this video together for intel for the ces of that year two or three of those jumpers were the ones in iron man 3 doing this oh stuff. really oh so i got to meet a couple of them so that was pretty fun oh, that's cool yeah, i mean you said they jumped how many times like 45 times like 45 times yeah dude i mean it's like i know parachute deaths are like you know they're not that prevalent they're kind of rare but it's like you think how many people in that's like 30 people jumping 45 times it's like i know it's kind of good luck that nothing in happened. fact while we were out there in utah we were only there shooting for like two three days and they did they would do you know five six jumps a day or something and at one point the the girl uh, i forget her name but I'm on the ground shooting behind the scenes, so I'm shooting this whole thing as they're jumping at it. And her parachute comes out, and it's like wonky, you know, like a part yeah, of the yeah, yeah. ropes got caught or whatever. And so she's like swinging back and forth, and it's not looking great. And then she finally writes it, and I'm like, oh shit! <laughs> I was like, you know, you jump enough, something's going to happen. One yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, it's like how many times can you? How many times can you use the same pack? How many packs do they have to swim? You know, it's like because there's a lot of tension that goes on those. Yeah, Gross, exactly. Same time and, like you, you know, yank right? on them. I don't know what the uh, the lifetime of those things is before yeah. you replace them. I, I assume it's not forty five times. You think, uh, <laughs> yeah, keep using the same pack. It's like, yeah. and of course, it's a slim, you know, parachute to fit under clothing and not look awkward. So it's, I'm sure, it's not as like yeah, you know, robust, robust yeah. as a yeah. real one. I don't know, crazy stuff. Okay, so they've got the president and they're on a ship in the harbor, I guess in L.A. And they're going to do the whole thing with killing him on on camera and uh tony and roadie show up with guns and not a lot of bullets <laughs> oh dude i mean they, they make they make tony stark had to be just a straight up murderer in this i mean when he storms that miami <laughs> compound 
He's like shooting these guys with guns, like these little homemade, like, you know, nail gun things that he made. And then yeah. the, the one guy's head goes underwater in the little like fountain. And then Tony just throws a bomb in. There. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah. The Batman, he is not. Yeah, no, he's, yeah. I mean, I guess whether or not he was a cold-blooded killer before this movie, he had had his house blown up. He had had his best friend put in the hospital, Pepper blown up, you know. just Also, I'm pretty sure he would have been arrested when he was on TV earlier in the the movie, and he goes, I'm going to kill the man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, straight up revenge. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, you just threatened to kill somebody on live TV. We're going to have to arrest you now. Maybe for your own good. And in this scene, Tony's like, I'm out. Give me, give me, you got extra magazine. They're not universal, Tony. I know what I'm doing. I make this stuff. Give me another one. I don't have one that fits that gun. You got like five of them. Here's what I'm going to do. Time to spot. Ready? What'd you say? Too fast. Nothing. Here we go. Three guys, one girl, all armed. You know, and like he really seems like he's an idiot for a couple of minutes, but then you realize it's only just because he's waiting for all the rest of the 40 some odd suits to show up that he'd called for. Yeah. yeah. His house party protocol, the house party protocol. Yeah. And they all, and they're all like, they're all like weirdly have different little like quirks to them. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. one of them that just turns into like 40 different pieces and, and like knocks over like a scatter shot of, of like a bunch of bad guys. And yeah. one that's got a really big Husky spine to it. It can hold things up. It's like, yeah. Yeah. And then he, he gets to go in some of the suits to fight. And, but apparently, you know, these people on extremists are super strong. And this is like how many versions of super soldier serum are we going to do in these movies? Right. Well, not only that, but it's like, okay, so we get to the end of the movie and you, you find out that like, Pepper Potts has been injected with this thing. Yeah. Now she's like kicking ass and, and doing all sorts of like martial arts. And, but then it's like, then at the end of the movie, they just like cure her from this. Yeah. 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 So right. The end of the movie, after they finish all this, Tony, and now Tony's narrating again, like he did at the beginning of the movie. As promised, I got pepper sorted out, took some tinkering, but then I thought to myself, why stop there? Of course, there are people who say progress is dangerous, but I'll bet none of those idiots ever had to live with a chest full of shrapnel. And now, neither will I. Let me tell you, that was the best sleep I'd had in years. Which, okay, here's the stupid thing. So that woman, the woman in the beginning. Maya? Maya, I always forget that her name, Maya. That Maya woman was right. Tony could fix this problem. (laughs) And it's like. (laughs) <laughs> and so, so Tony, Tony could have cured all these people. Well, he didn't have to kill all those, those henchmen. Yeah. It, it seems like what he was able to do was just completely rid her body of extremists. Yeah. Yeah. What I don't know, what I thought she wanted him to do was make it stable so that they wouldn't explode, but still. Be yeah, super. that's true. But, but at the same time, it's like a lot of those people only did it. Like that one woman was like missing an arm and she yeah. wanted her arm back. It's like. I'm sure if he cured her of the extremists, it's not like her arm's just going to fall off again. No, that's true. The That part of it would be fine. So it's almost yeah. like you could just use this to like fix people and then cure them of it. Yeah. And we'll never hear of it again. Yep. And it was not a thing. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. And then yeah. here, Oh, here's Rhodey later. Who's paralyzed. When is he paralyzed? In, in uh, after like a uh, civil war. Really? When I he forgot gets, about that. Yeah. When he gets knocked out of the air and he lands wrong. And, he, and that's why he's like always in the suit later is because oh, he's like technically paralyzed from like the, the shoulders down. Okay. Or, for, or from like the, the mid chest down or something. Yeah. 
I mean, you'd think, yeah, you'd think they could fix that by now. Well, just give them some extremists and then cure them. Yeah. This is just, this is, they live in such a bullshit fantasy world. <laughs> it is. It it's so weird what they can yeah. do and they can't do. And also when, when Tony's fighting Killian at the end of the movie and he uses like, he goes, goes through like three or four suits and, and combat with him. And I just feel like the fights are fun. Obviously I'm not a fight coordinator. They're really cool, but it just feels like even though Killian is super strong and can breathe fire and take a bullet, like with the stuff that Tony's got going on and with the experience he has, he ought to be able to take Killian out pretty easily. Yeah. You know, he's just, I feel like he's making poor decisions or something. I don't know, but you got to stretch this stuff out. There's got to be a conclusion to, you know, so Happy wakes up, everybody's cured, and then we have the post-credit sequence of, and this is a weird one, Tony, you think he's at a psychiatrist's office, and he's finishing narrating the end of this movie, and then it's Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner, who just dozed off and missed the whole story. You know what's so funny is, is having watched that is, so I, I peeked in on a couple episodes of that new She-Hulk TV series. Yeah. And Ruffalo's in the first episode, like yeah. just, you know, as himself and stuff. And I was like, my God, he, he looks so old now compared to no. that scene. <laughs> I mean, he, he's like, obviously like got a little bit thicker in the face and like, he's more gray yeah. and, but it's like, it, it was weird to see him in this. Where, where are we at now? Like probably 10 years ago, maybe. Yeah. From that. Yeah. yeah 10 about years 10 ago. years. In, like he looks, he just looks 20 years younger. <laughs> It's it's the mileage. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> right, and it was weird because as the narration at the beginning and the end of the movie was happening, I was like, oh, this is really weird narration. I'm not sure I care about it or I care for it. And then when he goes into the post-credit sequence and is like, oh, the narration was what he was telling Hulk the whole time. I'm like, uh, it doesn't make it any better. <laughs> I don't think this scene and, is and, worth and Ruffalo it. And was like falling asleep during it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The whole thing was just. That, I feel like that was honestly one of the worst post-credit scenes I've ever seen. I think so. It was so. so pointless. It revealed nothing. Yeah. Didn't, Didn't give you any clue movie. to the next movie. It's like, yeah. Yeah. All right. This is the first MCU movie to be shot entirely digitally. It's also the longest standalone Iron Man movie, and it felt it to me for sure. Two, was it 212 or something? Yeah. Tom Hooper of the movie Cats was considered to direct. I can't oh, imagine man. what a yeah. nightmare that would have been. I'm still I'm still waiting on that cat's uh, butthole cut. Butthole cut. Release the cut. <laughs> Release the cut. And then uh, here's my my dumb trivia section of the day. This was listed on IMDb. Only Iron Man it's the only Iron Man film not released the same year as any Chronicles of Narnia film. That's like, the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Ever come up with that? <laughs> like you can do something like that for every movie ever made. This yeah. is the only Superman movie not released within the same year as a Jaws movie or, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Anywho, what do you rate it? Uh, probably, I don't know, probably somewhere between a five and a six. Yeah. I can go either way. Yeah, I I was thinking about that. I think the narration was taking me down to a five, but there was something that brought me back up to a six. And I think it might have been uh, Gwyneth Paltrow in a sports bra. <laughs> She, she doesn't even remember making that movie. Come on. <laughs> Which I, I, I find that six. so preposterous. It's like, even, even if you don't care for the movies, it's like she had to have been so much on set for those movies that like for her just to be like, oh, they all blurred into one. I didn't really know which one I was shooting or what was even happening. Or it's like, oh, come on. No, actually, in fact, one of the trivias said that when in the beginning of the movie, when when Tony's house is getting blown up and she gets the suit on, 
Yeah. Like that was, she, like she said, that was a really fun thing. And her son was on set that day and he thought it was the coolest thing ever. And so it approved her relationship with her son. And it's like, okay, so you do remember this movie. <laughs> well, you know, what's so funny is that Favreau had like a cooking show for a while where he like did his yeah. own, you know, and he had her on and Favreau had mentioned like one of the Iron Man movies and some actor they worked with. And she was like, she was like, I never worked with that guy. And he was like, yeah, you did. I was on set with you. And she just kept being like, I don't remember that at all. Yeah. But she uses candles as medicine. So yeah. <laughs> and jade eggs and all sorts of nonsense. Yeah. All right. IMDB gives it a 7.1. What do you think about Rotten Tomatoes? I mean, it's still, I don't think this was ever considered like a rotten movie. So it's got to be 62%. 79 so I knew I, you know what? I should have went higher. Yeah, it was, it's, it's more that the second one was 72. I feel like, yeah, I remember people being like liking the third one more than the second one, which was puzzling to me. Yeah. It's not as bad as I remember it. So like I said earlier, I thought coming into this, that the second one was the bad one. But then when I watched the second one, I was like, oh no, 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 the third one is the bad one. Well, that's usually the case though. It's usually the, you know, although that's the complete opposite and not the case for dark Knight, but yeah, whereas the second one's the best one in the, right. like, you know, but it's not as bad as I thought it was. I, you know, I don't, I don't care about the Trevor Slattery part. The fight scenes are fun. Yeah. It drags a bit. It's long. It's a little bit too long, but I do like seeing Tony Stark being resourceful without his gear. You know, it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. got some good stuff to it. What, Just be, uh, being what? a, you know, cold blooded murderer. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> I didn't, I just didn't, go back and watch that scene and why he throws a bomb into the fountain. It's, it just adds insult to injury. <laughs> yeah, it is. I think it's, it's, I think, is it played for humor or is it just like, I don't know. He's just, you know, he literally comes in with his, he made like a, a PVC gun with a shoots nails or something. And he's just, yeah. boo, 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 and just blasting these guys. And one of them falls into the fountain. And as he runs by, he just takes like a makeshift bomb and throws it in the fountain. And it just explodes next to the guy's head. He's made bombs out of all these uh, Christmas balls. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, that, that, that reminded me of when, uh, in Bill and Ted bogus, when they go to the hardware store and they're building. Yes. <laughs> They're building the other. Uh, need the, to build another robot. Good Bill robot, Bill and Ted. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, when Tony was having a panic attack, the kid on the phone was like, "Well, you're you're a mechanic, right? Why don't you build something?" It's like, "Okay, go to the store and make a Home Depot mech suit." They should have used the same song. I can't remember what it was, but from Bill and Ted. Oh, uh, what song was it? Uh, it was probably something like Rat or It's like Two Heads or, or Better something. Than One or something. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything we want to do to fix this? I mean, they didn't really drop off a cliff. They just got. No, it, you know, it was a gradual decline, and it's gradual it's, decline. I don't know. I I, I still you, you're going to hate me on this one. It's like the Ben Kingsley thing. It, it was fun. I agree. It was funny, but it was like I feel like it was at a detriment to the story. That's fair. Like the, the villain was just so weak, and, it, and so they, that, all three yeah. of the villains were weak. But it's like, but it, th- this one didn't have the same fun energy that the first one had. Yeah. It's interesting because the villains in this, you know, and, and it's been said that Iron Man is, you know, Marvel's answer to Batman, but Batman's villains are all crazy lunatics and they're fun. And whereas in this one, they're all just like, well, I'm a science, I'm a serious scientist and I just disagree with you and I want to make money and I yeah, want to make weapons, yeah. you know? <laughs> it's yeah. It's all, it's all people that you wouldn't believe like this killing guy would not just become a murderer because, you know, because yeah. Tony let you know didn't like come upstairs Ignored to talk to him one day. Yeah, yeah. yeah or, I would or say Obadiah turn- would just. You feel like I feel like Obadiah would just get him arrested or something. Not gonna like, <laughs> have him shipped off to be murdered in like Afghanistan. And if if he wanted him murdered, geez, there's a lot more easier ways. Oh, to I do know. It. <laughs> yeah. 
there's probably tons of people that hate him that he could frame. Yeah. You know? In fact, when he went in there and he like paralyzed him and stole his arc reactor out of his chest, which by the way, like will kill him eventually. And I, we don't know how long the paralysis lasts or how long he can last without an arc reactor. And hopefully one is longer like than the minutes other. <laughs> without an arc. I mean, when they, yeah. when they, she accidentally unplugs it, he's going, he's having a heart attack within yeah. like 10, 15 seconds. Whereas I think that when, when he paralyzed the terrorist earlier in the movie, he said, it'd be, you'll be fine in 15 minutes. So he should be dead. And in fact, if Obadiah really wanted him dead, he could have just like, I don't know, put a pillow over his face or something. I know, yeah. It's just like, whatever. James Bond rules. Don't actually kill the hero. Yep. Yeah, so I guess make make the villains a little bit more interesting. Maybe do a real Mandarin or something. Yeah, That yeah. sounds fun. But yeah, otherwise, they're they're pretty good. I mean, no complaints with the most of the cast. They're all amazing. Yeah, because it's like the, the villain. Here's the thing. The villain never really capitalized on, like, the the whole Tony Stark having a meltdown was a separate thread from the villain thing. Yeah. The villain never, never really capitalized on that. It, no. just, it just would happen at inconvenient times. Yeah. And he, he got over it by, before he went to confront the villain. There's two things that are missing from this movie. A good villain, and then also, like, the, the fun Tony Stark. Yeah. So that's it's true. Like, it which, which if you're not going like, to have that fun Tony Stark, that's fine, but you need the yeah. villain to capitalize on that like you know yeah. that crisis he had fun I think he, he was at his most fun when he was dealing with the kid even though the kid was annoying yeah exactly yeah, yeah. because in the beginning he's like dealing with not being a good husband to Pepper Potts or not being you know this and that later he's dealing with everything being lost and everything going wrong and the anxiety attacks they, they could they honestly could have made this more of a Tony Stark without Iron Man suit situation and then just make him having to discover what's actually the plot and happening longer like yeah. he, he sort of just goes to Tennessee and fi- figures it out within like a 15 minute span yeah and then by the time he goes to Miami he, the suit's all charged up and ready to fly to him yeah so you know what's his name uh, Shane Black's whole like this is the movie without the suit it's like yeah he's without yeah. the suit for 20 minutes of, out of a <laughs> right. 2 hour 15 minute movie exactly. alright anything else on Iron Man <sighs> I mean, do you, do you believe that uh, Robert Denny will come back one day? I don't think so. I think he's done. I think he'll come back to do hologram appearances as Tony Stark. Mm, I don't think he'll maybe. come back as Iron Man. Yeah. Of course, I thought Hugh Jackman was done as well. I know. <laughs> that's Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's everything. It's like, I'm sure. What's his name? Patrick Stewart came back for uh, yeah. uh, for Magni, or not Magni, for, uh, for Charles Dr. Xavier. Strange, yeah. So anything's possible. Anything's possible. Hey, hey, get Ian McKellen in there before he does. I know, right? Okay, well, uh, let's go out on a haiku. Infinite money makes impossible tech real. Have another drink. I like that one. That one's good. Thank you for listening. For more podcasts like this, check out everything over at neozaz.com, and you can find us at Sequel Harder on Facebook, Twitter, and Gmail. Stay tuned, and we will be back in the next episode. Oh, I didn't write a joke for that. (laughs) 